day I was born, the nurses all gathered round, and they gazed in wide wonder at the joy they had found. The head nurse spoke up, said, leave this one alone. She could tell right away that I was bad to the bone, bad to the bone. Welcome to Best Picture Cast. I'm your host, Kieran B. I completed my goal of watching every Oscar Best Picture winner ever and decided to start a podcast to review each one, each episode myself, and revolving co-hosts will discuss, assess, and evaluate a different Best Picture winner with the goal to establish a ranking for the entire list. This is not what we are doing today. However, today we are here to celebrate the winner of the Best Picture Cast Action tournament that was our specialty tournament this spring and that winner is none other than terminator 2 judgment day that's right we got a big boy here today this isn't a soft sub 50 winner this isn't an obscure pick from out of the woods this is a high grossing banger t2 fired up if you listened to our tournament recap last week, you know the four gentlemen here with me today. I'm going to introduce them to anyway, and I'm going to start with the winner, the undisputed action champion standing on the ladder with both titles. You're going to hear our episode next week on Armageddon because he won that one too, but he is Action Steve. Hell Steve yeah. B. Steve, I am welcome. Just going around tossing toothpicks in people's faces. <laughs> um, feeling good. Um, I've sat in on a few other episodes. Twelve Years a Slave, Twins, um, but this one I'm most excited for because it's my my flick, my film, and it's one of my all time favorites. So I'm pumped to be here. Thanks for having me. It's great, and it has been uh, quite the minute since you've been on. As you mentioned, it was Twins and and Twelve Years a Slave, and I think those were like back-to-back episodes real close so, close. Yeah. close so it's, it's been a while it's good to hear your voice on here again it well, i should say that you've been present because you've been participating in these tournaments so we've mm. uh, mentioned i think you've been on a preview or two or a recap or two a draft episode but uh yeah you're here for the real deal here today it is t2 james cameron's t2 we're not just uh, talking a, a familiar movie we're talking about a familiar director because we have a titanic episode one I just listened to in my re-listen and, and is just a blast. So uh, I, I'm looking forward to going back to the world of James Cameron. And the two gentlemen I have joining me, along with Steve, if you're a, a weekly listener, you will have just heard them on our Parasite episode. We'll start with Jay Dowski. Jay. Hey, how are you? Doing well. Just doing well. Uh, over here holding Steve's mic. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Number two. <laughs> Uh, T2, man, looking forward to it. Um, what do you, what, what are your, uh, are you pumped? Are you excited? Are you disappointed? Are you what? Um, <laughs> uh, I am, um, disappointed to not win, excited to talk about T2. So That's, a little, you know, win win. <laughs> absolutely the appropriate answer there. And Joey R., you're here too. I am the right movie one, so I'm very happy to be here. Cool, cool. Yes. And I, I was in that final four too with. OG Terminator, which we will not be talking about in length today. I'm sure we'll mention it along the way. Yeah. Uh, I know I know all, all four of us recently watched it, mm. I believe, right? Yep. Yeah, so um, let me just ask you, Joe, we're just getting off of our Parasite episode. Just do you want to share a little little thoughts on on that experience? It was... That was awesome because that's one of the ones I've been looking forward to, like kind of really pumped up for and uh, 
really happy with the recording and how it came out. The content is fantastic, and I that was the first time Jay and I recorded in person. And I that's think, right. Um, I love that dynamic, so I'm really excited to do this again. But the parasite, there's... yeah, we we really went deep into yeah. that one, and the most recent movie we've covered here so far. Jay, how about you on your uh, parasite after show thoughts? Parasite was great. It was a lot of fun, and uh, you won't want to miss it. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So if you did miss it, dial back. back. It, yeah, it just aired, and I'm. Uh, Looking forward to hearing all the responses from that. Steve, a couple words on Parasite. It's a movie I know that you, you watched recently too, and you know one that yeah, one that you was care one about. of the best uh, theater viewings I've ever had. I saw it at um, Little Cinema Art Center in Huntington, New York, one of my favorite places to see films, packed theater. Um, I hadn't seen it since, and uh, it holds up so well. It's awesome. I, I haven't listened to it yet, but uh, I'm gonna, it's on my list. I'm going to be listening to that soon. Love it. Yeah, very, very cool. was a lot of fun. RDB joined us for that one as well. Okay, we're not here to talk about Parasite or any other Best Picture winner, but maybe a movie who should have been in the mix. I guess we'll Oscar talk about winner. that. Yeah, it's certainly an Oscar winner. An Oscar we'll, get winner. To that. Yeah. we'll get to that too. I'll start off with you, Steve. Do you remember, do you recall your first run-in with T2? If not, what is kind of your history with it? Oh, I, I definitely remember. Um, I was in middle school, so I must have been... 97 so this came out in 91 so i was 12 or 13 it's rated r movie but like other rated r movies they kind of marketed it towards children i think there was toys there was toys and like stuff to buy yep i had Um, all the toys and i remember uh begging my mom to let me watch it and i ended up getting my hands on it i just remember vividly the bar scene as a kid Mm -hmm. because i was like oh it's so cool to be inside a bar and um, it made me want and need a motorcycle, um, which I just acquired. It took me a very long time. Um, but I have the poor man's Harley. I have a Yamaha V-Star. Um, he's riding a uh, Harley Fat Boy. Yes. And boy, does he look good on it. He looks awesome so on I, that thing. Today, no one's holding that against you here. Don't worry. Today, today I've been looking at how much a Harley Fat Boy is because <laughs> I forgot how much I love that motorcycle. So, so I told my wife today, I was like, all right, I'm going to go buy a motorcycle uh, now. And she was like, <laughs> oh my God. Like, not with a seven-month-old. No, you're not. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> but yeah, that was my earliest memory, being in middle school, uh, rated R film, being allowed to watch it, and just being blown away. As a kid. Uh, Jay, I'm, I'm going to kick it off to you. Do you recall your first experience with T2? Or if not, what is just kind of your life's experience with it? Well, funny you ask, Kieran. Uh, I went to go see this movie in the theaters when it came out with my father and my brother. And I specifically remember the opening scene when they, it's 2029 yeah. LA. And... Um, the skull gets crushed by the, mm. the the robot's leg, foot. T-800. And I had this huge bag of popcorn as a little, you know, probably seven-year-old. And as soon as oh that happened, the whole, <laughs> as soon horrifying. as it cr- came crashing down, I, the whole popcorn went everywhere. And I remember my brother and my dad just laughing at me. So um, that is a vivid memory I still remember. And I've watched it ever since. Wow. Is that the only theater experience? Or Steve, you had theaters too? Was it? T2? Yeah, you were, no, yeah. I wish. No, yeah, no, Joe? I wish. No, talk, talk to us about your first experience. No, summer 1992, I was at my uncle's house in Vermont, and he had like the old school big screen TV that weighed 2,000 pounds, had the big, and uh, he had it, and it had just come out on video, and I watched it there, and I watched it like 30 times that weekend, mm. and I've watched it ever since. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, it's going to be like middle school, sixth or seventh grade or yeah, so. And same just as me. Showtime, you know, and just, I can just remember just 
uh, Edward Furlong on the bike. Yep. And Bobby Budnick um, with him. And, Budnick, uh, my and guy. Just, if if I could remember like one scene that just sticks in my head from my first experience, it's just the the T one thousand running after yeah. the car and getting the getting the spike on yep. it and then flinking it off and it, boop, 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 and it just melting into his foot like that image is just I was like oh my god what am I watching right and now? that was so, the toy I had the T one hundred with like the claw arms yeah oh, so god. I the, yeah. Um, I remember him as the floor like that sticks with me when, <laughs> yeah. I don't know why because I thought I was like oh it's so fucking clever and now he's that guy <laughs> I did have nightmares from the. Uh, the nuclear, um, the pl- the playground the, scene. Yeah, the nuclear. Yeah, the little dream sequence. Yeah. Yeah, the, the nuclear nightmare that gave me um, nightmares as a kid for sure. Yeah, I mean, this is probably one of those movies that the number of people who haven't seen it or haven't even seen any part of it at this point is getting very low. I mean, it's just a a movie that's been on TV a lot and it's been and, parodied so many times. It's been copied so many times. Whereas the first one. I don't think I think that this has to be the most seen sequel versus its original. Mm. Is this well, also one of the only sequels where you think, well, Kieran, um, <laughs> where the sequel could be better than the original, and you could actually have an honest debate about that? Yeah, you, know, you think yeah, and, this is and, one and, of you know, those? Maybe, few? maybe we might even just have one of those honest debates today. Crazy, like, yeah, there, there have been some YouTube videos and, and people posting online recently, TikTok and things like that, viewing them for the first time, younger people. Mm. And not knowing anything about them and watching one and two. Because I thought that people going into the theaters in 91 didn't know that Arnold was going to be the, the good guy. The trailers mm. But the trailers, I, I was reading it, but the yeah. trailers ruined everything. So people kind of knew he was the good guy. It seems um, like the initial trailers tried to hide it best they could. And they changed it pretty quickly. Yeah. Because I love the idea. Well, that's just salesmanship. Cameron exactly. approved it, too. Yeah. yeah. Because the original idea was to have Michael Bean in there as the T-1000 and switch him up. But they were worried which, people were too dumb. Would have been amazing. I think it would have um, been fantastic. I understand it. it confusing we're people not a, and all that. You know, like, people aren't very smart, so we yeah, have but to. They're, they're all not, you know, like, you know, right. sitting saying just tell, show us don't tell us right. you know like there are some people that just and Robert Patrick yeah. especially these types of movies right. they Robert just... Patrick's fantastic so no yeah. not taking away from it he's but, a yeah. little more creepier and evil he's, he's scarier yeah. yes than yes. Bean you know you talk yeah. about people but watching Bean and Tombstone's it. scary that's true you know you talk about people watching it today that will, will will people today like kids today who are watching this will they ever understand the power of Arnold Schwarzenegger in the, in the early late eighties, early nineties, especially between and, these two movies, right? And who would be today's Arnold Schwarzenegger to them? Because he just demanded every movie. It was like, okay, we're going to see that movie. Whatever he's in, we're going to go see to the yeah. theaters and watch that. Twins yeah. is a year later, yeah. <laughs> or and two. Twins is a Best Picture guest yeah. episode as I mentioned before. It won our sub second sub fifty tournament. Joey, you were yep. your selection. Steve, you were there on that episode. So you can go back in our back catalog check that one out that's a good point though like if you're watching it today for the first time you're not going to understand or grasp what arnold was you know arnold is an old man today (laughs) right the governor of whatever but arnold in the 80s and 90s was fucking like god insane i think i think the the predators of the world and the terminators will stand the test of time though you can go back and and see those and get at least a feel for what he might have been but okay so we're really getting into it now Uh, i want to uh Right before we do the deep dive, I just want to kick around the room and ask, what are we drinking? Joey, I'm going to start with you. All right. So I have a local. I've been on a run of all-day IPAs, so I wanted to make sure I went local today. Yes, uh, it has been quite a run of that. A lot of big yeah. run. Um, and Montauk keeps ignoring me. So 
Garvey's Point, local brewery, about 20 minutes from here in Glen Cove. It's um, a hoppy fruit mango fruited IPA. It's delicious. Uh, their brewery, their new brewery is fucking awesome. It's a really cool restaurant, too. Um, I love going there. My uh, in-laws live in Glen Cove, so whenever we go there, see them, we always go over to the brewery, and I always bring beer home. Yes, so. Garvey, Garvey's Point from the beautiful Glen Cove, and the, the, the nice sections of Glen Cove really are nice, right, by the water and, and all that. Sure. Steve, what do you have to hear today? I'm drinking um, a little tequila. Ooh. Herodo- like 12 Years a Slave. <laughs> oh, same as 12 Years a Slave. Correct. Uh, you know, it's a weeknight. I have work tomorrow, so I'm taking it easy with a little tequila <laughs> on the rocks. Right <laughs> 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 there, I'll be up at 5 a.m. Um, yeah, Herodora Reposado. It's my second favorite because I'm uh, I'm on a budget. I need new windows. So, uh, <laughs> you, you'd be nor- surprised how expensive windows are. Yeah, uh, that's why I'm drinking tequila on a Tuesday night. Um, yeah, and We're not talking the glass part. We're talking about like the frames. The frames. Yeah. The frames. Yeah. So normally I'd be drinking Casamigos Reposado, but I had to budget up a little bit. Bud- Budget down a little bit. And we had some tequila in this movie, too. So you got a, a little tie in there. Oh, yeah. Uh, and last episode, they were drinking tequila in, in Parasite. They were drinking Patron. So I yep. said, hey, I have to bring it along. I wasn't going to do the same with uh, Jose Cuervo Gold in this. I think my Jose Cuervo Gold days are past. So I left the tequila out. I'll tell you what I'm drinking in a sec right after our friend Jay here tells us what we're drinking. I picked out Voodoo Ranger IPA. And it's a good beer, but I specifically picked it out. Because it wasn't in a glass bottle, it was in a tall m- boy mimetic polyalo. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to go with uh, Kieran's themes, trying to you know be Kieran Very over good. here, and, and you uh, have a nice little skull on the uh, front of that that might yeah. get crushed. By exactly, the, uh, there you go. great can. The new Belgian brewery in Colorado, great stuff. Okay, favorite around here. Now I'm I'm kind of off the beaten path here a bit. So we have, believe it or not, talked Terminator and Terminator 2 here before, because on our Gentleman's Agreement episode, Jay, which you were a part of, that was your, I think your second ever BBC episode, we decided to go through Arnold's filmography for no good reason. I, I don't know, I think we Man, like those we early days. wanted yeah. to force a conversation. We didn't ensure that anyone would listen to a Gentleman's Agreement episode. Gregory Peck wasn't really moving the needle in our eyes, but I think we spent way more time talking about Gregory Peck, even though we've spent a lot of Arnold time. Mm-hmm. But yes, so we talked about both those. You can go back and check that one out. That was a fun one. And uh, we did talk twins, which would become an episode too. So that that gentleman's agreement episode has been quite the prophecy here. At, at Unbelievable. But for that uh, tournament, because it was the fall, I was drinking pumpkin, shipyard pumpkin ale. So I wanted to kind of throw back to that, partially because I like the callbacks, but specifically because we have to clear some room in the fridge. And the pumpkin beers are taking up space. If I waited to drink them seasonally, that, that's not, we're moving in the wrong direction. So I'm clearing out. It's a pumpkin clearance sale here for T2. I have, it's, it's an Elysian brewery. It's like kind of like a, a pumpkin mix pack. I brought them on the podcast before. This one is the, uh, the Dark of the Moon. It's a pumpkin stout. I also have, and you know, hey, you might be listening to this around Halloween. You might be looking back and who knows. So let's check it out. The Elysian Brewery in Seattle, where uh, our friends, the freezers originate. The coffee pumpkin ale, the punkachino, and then I have the uh, the night owl, which is just a just a pumpkin ale. So that's what I'm doing here today. Those are the beverages we have for the journey into the uh, the storm clouds here as we head into T2. Guys, any other thoughts here or anything we got to get out here before we do the old deep dive? No, I'm ready to dive. I will just remind everyone if you're wondering how this won or or how you vote on these tournaments, you follow us at, at Best Picture Cast on Twitter, on Instagram. 
Give us a follow. Show us some love. Send us a DM. Give us some, some feedback on it. Write us a review. All that stuff helps us. And uh, we, we like this thing to be a, a com- community affair here. Okay, here we are. Terminator 2. We are headed back to the year. The wonderful year. 1991. 1991. And believe it or not, it was, it's, this was wild to me because we go back to this time period all the time with these honorary episodes. This is a year we have not visited in the honorary episode world. We did 90 twice. I believe we did 92 twice. We definitely did 93 and 94, probably several. 89. I think, I think we've done 94 like three times. Yeah. 89, maybe even twice. But hey, 91, the only other time we were here was when we were talking Silence of the Lambs, Joe, me, you, and, and Chris. Gee. Very but, memorable recording. So we got a fresh year of the honorary episode format here. So let's talk wwf heavyweight champ now for the majority of the year it was the immortal hulk hogan which is very common of the time however at the survivor series in november 91 hogan would drop the title to the one and only ultimate warrior the undertaker Uh, the phenom a young phenom yes yes marking the undertaker's very first ever world title reign his run as champ would last only six days, however. Hogan would reclaim the title for just four days himself until being stripped of the championship, leaving it vacated, headed into the new year. Have no fear, folks. The Undertaker would be no one-hit wonder. He'd go on to have a total of seven world title reigns in his career. Then he just became above it. <laughs> oh, yeah. In an industry famous 21-match undefeated streak at WrestleMania, he was 21-0 and before he lost to... Brock Lesnar. The Undertaker's real names, Mark Calloway, would also make his film debut in 1991 in the cult classic Suburban Commando. Remember Suburban Commando? Jay, you have to remember that, no? I Hulk. feel like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Christopher Lloyd. Oh, yeah, that's Christopher good. Lloyd. Okay. That's amazing. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Undertaker thoughts? Anyone got any Undertaker thoughts? He had a great motorcycle also. Uh, yes, yes, there's the tie-in mm-hmm. award. There. Well, he, <laughs> had, he had the high handlebars. Oh, my the, God. The, 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 I love those. Yeah, me too. Those Chopper. The Chopper. American badass himself. Those are hard to ride if you don't yeah. know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that would end well for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk on the 91 Super Bowl, also known as Super Bowl 25. The New York football giants, that's right, would defeat the Buffalo Bills. The Jays of football. Buffalo Bills not managed by Jay Dowski, who's uh, <laughs> the Buffalo Bills of BPT. Marv Levy's Buffalo Bills... 20 to 19 winning the Giants' second ever Super Bowl in franchise history. Hell yeah. The game was played on January 27th, 1991 at Tampa Stadium in Tampa, Florida. Go Giants, baby. Hell Take yeah. One. Love that. Joe, very Giants very, fan. Very Steve, memorable. Good Giants fan. Giants fan. Jay, you are our Pittsburgh I, Steelers fan. Yeah, I don't care. I think I'm going to say former Giants fan at this point, though. I have to admit. You've, you've lost a little touch yeah. with the NFL in general, right? I just don't watch a lot of uh, football. I think uh, baseball is like the one thing I'm just kind of clinging to right now. Yeah, well, so Jay, you're, you're despite uh, Steve potentially denouncing his football allegiances, Jay, you're going to be, uh, we'll consider you safe on the little trivia question I'm going to ask, but Joey and, and Steve, I'm going to put you on the spot here. National anthem for this one, sung by the great Whitney Houston. It's kind of a famous yeah, it's uh, very national anthem there yeah. on that one. The halftime show was by New Kids on the Block. Who could forget? Yes, the uh, the Wahlberg brothers and, and hanging tough, right? Yes, that's right. Oh, oh, oh! Now my trivia question is: 
The Giants have won two other Super Bowls in our lifetime since then. Yes. Can you recall who did those halftime shows? Man. Those were very memorable for how drunk Both I was. Both wins over the Patriots. Was one the Janet Jackson one? No, no. No, Janet Jackson was a little earlier. It was earlier? Yeah, it okay. was a little earlier. Prince? No, good right. guess. I believe Prince was the was the Bears and the Colts, if I'm yeah. not wrong. I'll give you a hint, Steve. You have seen one of these acts live, and it's a, a memorable show. Metallica. No, Metallica? No. <laughs> I just no, want them done. to do that. Yeah, that would be amazing. I've been, I've been clamoring for that forever. Aerosmith? Uh, no, no, and there'll be plenty of Aerosmith talk next week when me and Artie go yeah. go head to head again over. Uh, I don't want to miss a thing. I'm trying to find the movie poster. Uh, the, the so the first poster. one where they topped the Patriots in 2007 was Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Uh, did that one, and then life. the second yeah, one was concerts. Madonna, who has uh, we no, talked I about her. About that. We, we talked about her on our. No. League of Their Own episode, so there you go. Post-1991 Madonna is not worth remembering. See, I, bet you, I bet you Grant got that answer right. And Oz almost certainly got it right. Those are two, two big-time Giant fans real happy to be listening right now. Hall of Famers and the Giants that year, Coach Bill Parcells and Lawrence Taylor. Those are the only two, other than the, uh, the front office and whatnot. The Bills had quite a few, though. Coach Marv Levy, Jim Kelly, James Lofton, Andre Reid, Bruce Smith, and Thurman Thomas. The MVP was... Giants running back Otis Anderson. The game was famously won on a missed 47-yard field goal attempt by Scott Norwood. Wide right. Notorious for his inability to hit kicks over 40 yards on natural grass surface. They knew. They knew, and they let it happen. They knew. (laughs) The Phil's home field was turf. But the Super Bowl is played on Florida grass, baby. Norwood would remain with the Bills for one more season and actually kick them into the Super Bowl the following season with a 44-yard field goal. No one talks about that. Norwood came back and had a little redemption that nobody cares about. They still lost the Super Bowl. They did. Yes, they did. World leaders, here we go. I'm keeping this one in uh, Central and South America because this is where uh, Linda Hamilton would have spent her time in between the two movies, Terminator 1, doing her gun running and... With the Green Berets in Nicaragua. <laughs> totally forgot about that little side section of this. Like, they had to make sense like, of her oh, making bombs. She later. was a gun runner there in the middle. Where's the, there's the, in be- what's what's it called in between a, a, the primary and the sequel? Was it just like a, a spinoff? Or I, don't, I don't know. Purgatory. <laughs> a purgatory movie. Okay, the president of Mexico was Carlos Salinas de Gortari. The president of Colombia was Cesar Gaviera. President of Panama, Guillermo de Indara, Indala Galemani. President of Costa Rica, Rafael Angel Calderon Forenier. And the President of Venezuela, Carlos Andres Perez Rodriguez. So there we go. Spanish ain't too pretty, but it's a little better than the, than the French world because stayed away from Europe. Good this time job. Around. It's a yeah. solid job. Come on. Yeah, no, you did good there. I, we should stay yeah. south now. <laughs> <laughs> stay around the equator. Yeah, you, you do really well there. Better around the equator. No more Mr. Equator. Banana. Big year in country. That's right. It's time to guess the country <laughs> lyrics. I hope everyone's ready. Steve, you've uh, been here in the mix for this. I think all, all, all of you guys have. You've had a few shots here. What's a big year? Country mega hits. I got to say, Friends in Low Places, Don't Rock the Jukebox, and Here's a Quarter, Call Someone Who Cares. Now... <laughs> Not necessarily a it's mega a great hit, but name. a great song. Great yes, name. Yes. But those aren't what we're talking about because those are all pretty explanatory, I would think. We are talking about the CMA Awards, which were pretty much swept by the legendary Garth Brooks. This is the one award he did not win, and that's for Song of the Year. It's called 
by Vince Gill. When I Call Your Name. So the song title is When I Call Your Name. So you guys are going to have to tell me what you think When I Call Your Name is about. The song was co-written by Vince Gill and Tim Dubois. It reached number two on the country billboards, and it was number 39 on the year-end charts. Jay, When I Call Your Name. When I Call Your Name. That's about a... Uh... A homeowner whose cat has gotten out. He left the back door open, and he's going around the neighborhood just calling for this cat to come home. And when he calls its name, it comes back. Not bad. Steve, what do you think? when I call your name. When I call your name, I'm going to ask for your hand in marriage. Okay. He's, he's, he's calling a shot here yeah. with this. I'm okay. calling your name, and, and I need you to marry me right now. Joe, when I call your name, what are you thinking? Thinking like long distance relationship, maybe the guy's a trucker or traveler, so he's not away, so he calls her name to like try to bring them together and you know bring them closer. Mm. A lot of hopeful ones here. We have a sad song in this. Usually, one, I right? go really sad, so I thought I'd go happy for. And once. even in Jay's, they found the cat at the end of Jay's. <laughs> yes, when I call your name, uh, yeah, this is essentially a guy who <laughs> who came home and uh, his wife is gone. And he's calling her name, and she's... Uh, yeah, that's So that. much yeah. better. Yes. I rushed home from work like I always do. I spent my whole day just thinking of you. When I walked through the front door, my whole life was changed because nobody answered when I called your name. There you go. When what I called a your fucking name. loser. <laughs> oh, Joe, <laughs> Joey's on Joey's radar again. Oh, no. Oh, man. Yes, it's a, a tough L for, for Vince Gill here. Well, the wonderful Vince Gill. He's now playing with the Eagles, by the way. He's really? Like in the band playing with I saw dad. that. Good yeah, my dad him. just saw them down uh, down in Tampa, by the way, bringing back to Tampa. Oh, yeah, he said it was amazing. He's just filled in for the band, and he's playing on all the songs. That's really band. cool. Yeah, I don't know great, much. I know his name. Yeah, I, but great that's voice. Really cool. Yeah, great voice. Great songwriter, singer songwriter. 1991, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. It's the movie we're talking about. It's directed by James Cameron. It's written by James Cameron and William Wisher. Music by Brad Fidel. Cinematography by Adam Greenberg. Film editing by Conrad Buff, Mark Goldblatt, and Richard A. Harris, who we talked about before. He's the editor and Oscar winner for Titanic. Visual effects and makeup captained by Oscar, Oscar winner Stan Winston, who also took home Oscars for Jurassic Park and Aliens. Terminator 2, it's starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Linda Hamilton, Edward Furlong, Earl Bowen, Joe Morton, and Robert Patrick. It was nominated for six Oscars, as Joey mentioned before. It was the winner of four, including Best Sound, Best Sound Effects Editing, Best Visual Effects, Best Makeup, and it was nominated for but did not win Cinematography and Film Editing, which are big big awards there huge awards yeah, possibly some evidence that it could have come close to maybe getting a little more no love for the globes zero golden globe the globes botched it again what a shock <laughs> <laughs> it's another award show we're going to talk about i'll bring up a little later but i should say it's 8.6 on imdb steve i know you're a big imdb rating guy 8.6 pretty pretty solid there right very solid and i love imdb i have it tattooed on my heart <laughs> on the inside like the outside inside. of your heart, inside that's 8.6, Steve, any guesses on what number that's probably good for on IMDb? Of all time? Yeah, on that list there. The top 250. <clears throat> 26. Ooh, very, very close there. 29, mm. uh, at least as of the time of this recording. Mm. 29 on IMDb, just behind, uh, it's interesting between a couple of, of BPC-relevant movies here, just behind Star Wars A New Hope. You can listen to the worst picture cast rankings of all the Star Wars movies. Terminator 2 demolishes that that movie. Which you just saw for the first I time. Just though, right? yeah. Yeah, I just watched it. I just watched it. And so just behind A New Hope and just ahead of Back to the Future, which is uh, another 
Best Picture cast episode. Joey, one of your favorites. Oh, yeah. Very appropriately with the time travel. Better yeah. than Star Wars New Hope, too. <laughs> I agree. Uh, I, I also agree. Uh, five <laughs> slots ahead of last week's episode on Parasite. Yeah. And one little weird thing is sometimes I, The Green Mile is number 27. I had no idea the movie's that popular. I, I don't. And every once in a while, that will become like an internet thing where like just it's scrolling and the clips are everywhere. Yeah. It just keeps coming. It's very odd. You got to be a Green Mile guy. Talking about 99 cry. back then. Oh, you know it. You know it. <laughs> Cried twice in the theaters. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, epic, epic movie. Great, God, great book. He's too. sobbing. Oh, sobbing. Don't put, don't put me in the dark. <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> I'm going to bed. <laughs> Terminator 2 was released in the U.S. on July 3rd, 1991, 4th of July Oof, weekend. Summer blockbuster. It was a $102 million budget, and it grossed just under $205 million domestic. Almost 32 million open weekend worldwide. It was 312. That's a grand total of 521 million, over a half billion dollars. There were also re releases in 2003, 2017, and 2020, which probably didn't go very well with 2020 re release. Okay. We've gotten through our mouthful on the introduction here. Terminator 2. Steve, I'm going to let you uh, kick us off here. This was your winner. Take us uh, where we need to go to, to get the, the ball running here with Terminator 2. I would say we have to start with the opening sequence. I watched it a couple times this week. It was on my memory for years after. I think it has to be one of the best opening sequences of all time. starts with the kids swinging on the playground and quickly goes into the uh, nuclear um, fireball and the flames and... You see the couple in the car, their skulls, probably sitting in uh, L.A. traffic uh, when this happened, not knowing this was their life was about to end and become dust. Probably relieved. Yeah, from relieved, the, relieved yeah. from all the traffic they on that coming, freaking oh, freeway. God. <laughs> um, it's just such a strong way. Yeah. It just brings you in because it's so oh powerful. Oh, my God. And then Jay brought it up earlier. Um the T-800 stepping on the skull. Yep. And like, so it goes from kids swinging within like a minute to a T-800 stepping on a skull and Linda Hamilton's voiceover of uh, talking about Judgment Day. And I think that opening scene is, um, that opening sequence is just so powerful and really sets the tone. And I just don't think they make action films like this at all anymore. I mean, it's that, that it, like, Rewatching it again is so haunting and so real and awesome. So I think we have to start there. I mean, I, I knew that sentence was going to come up. I didn't know if it would be me who say it first or if all four of us say at one point. You know, they just don't make movies like this anymore. And, and it's and I, I as I get older, I feel myself morphing into the old man on the porch yelling at clouds. But like, it is kind of true. Like you don't see sequences like this filmed anymore. Whether it's safety, which is probably for some good reasons, whether it's finances, which is a little bit obnoxious based on how much these things make. Right. To me, it's like it's very easy to just take the green screen way out. And this movie shows you what you can accomplish visually just with how this, this movie's crafted. Yeah, it's just every effect is smart and well done and thought out. And when you do something, the opening that's so strong, the T-800 stepping on the skull, panning up to him with that giant gun. Mm. If you don't react to that, I don't believe you're paying attention. Yeah. Another thing that I should say with this, the first movie into this one, you could see like the first movie, he created this world in his mind and he wrote it down and and he only had $6 million to make the movie. 
you can see in this opening scene here, he's flexing. Now he's like, now we're in what I'm now right. we've now you're gonna see right. my true vision. And you by know? the way, he never looked back after this. He's flexing in ninety one. <laughs> now he's just lost his fucking mind. But in the first Terminator, like you said, but like he has to be so clever about everything and here he just lets the, let it hang out. Yeah. And man, that opening mm. sequence is him just showing like, all right, you like the first one? Look at what the fuck we're about to do for the next two hours and fifteen minutes. Uh, that's, what's what's the wor- what's the worst picture cast category you have over there, Joe? Like, what is this? What would this? What would this look like with a twenty million? Budget? Yeah, what like, this twenty thousand dollar movie look like right. with twenty million. Well, here's a six million dollar movie it looks like with a hundred and six million dollar budget. Exactly, Let's tack a hundred million yeah. on top. I love it. There's just like one random scene of just kind of two cars like getting in a fender bender just because. Just because. <laughs> like, it, it all makes sense. Have those two cars crash? <laughs> yeah, he probably made on. them crash forty times because. Because he's fucking insane. Uh, this isn't just such a sweet spot of action movies. Because like action, when I think of action movies, I think of this time period. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Right? Yeah, late eighties, early nineties. Like, I feel you know that maybe that's a testament to the action stars that were around back then with Arnold and Stallone Sly. and Willis and it was Jean just Claude. like Jean Claude. Jean Claude. I mean, we had four already right there. Heavyweights. Four of the greatest, and it's like. Okay, every year we're going to do an action film with these guys because it's. And now think about it too. Keanu Reeves is like is the today's action, action star, guy. but compared to those guys, right. you put him in his pocket. <laughs> yeah. Put, I mean, I'm sure he could fight and he's cool. I like Keanu Reeves. But a I lot. think it's just what, you know, people are looking for. Like, yeah. you know, we talked about wrestling. Yeah. Wrestlers used to be like these True. giant, out of worldly, and now they're small. Like, it, yeah, like we evolve in that way. Like, it's what funny. You're looking for. Like, if we're talking if Stallone and, and, and Arnold and. And uh, Van Dam and Willis, if those are your your Hogan's and Macho Man's and Flair, Keanu's kind of like the Shawn Michaels. Yeah, yeah. Up through it cause, But what's cause... great about Willis is he wasn't like the others. No, but he was different. Yeah. But he had like the grittiness of it, where there was like a groundedness to him. He had the smirk. He had the smirk. Where like yeah. Arnold felt like he was from another world. Yeah. But Keanu breaks yeah. through this year because 91 is point break. Yeah, he's and in the greatest movie ever made this year. Yeah. And he's still <laughs> oh, very, very re- relevant. Yeah. yeah now, mm-hmm. he's, now he's one of Even the titans of the relevant. industry. Yeah. That's what I'm yeah. saying. It's like it's like Shawn Michaels in the yeah, world no, where you have the a, Hogan's and the... And, it's a brilliant analogy yeah, because then, he, he was there brooding, waiting, and, and he took his shot. Yeah. Be the... Be the many consider and he's that. more yeah. relevant than any of those guys today. Yeah. You, you, I mean, Stallone, I think, has stayed relevant just in different true. ways. Yeah, uh, not, the I, scenes, but um, the Arnold Schwarzenegger stayed relevant in different ways, yeah. right? Stallone... They all shifted to comedy and kids' movies at some point. That's just a natural Jean-Claude Van Damme lost his fucking mind. <laughs> I guess he never did like the Christmas movie, Jean-Claude Van Damme. I think he just lost it. I think, like, he, I think, he, just... I think he liked snow a little too much. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think he did. He had enough snow in his life. It wasn't time for a Christmas movie. Right. Huh? What, what was the, once he did that movie with uh, Dennis Rodman, tag team or whatever. Double team. Uh, double team. Yeah, double. But after that, like, I feel like it just like broke him. And like that's where like Schwarzenegger and Stallone were just smarter. You know what I thought watching this? opening sequence Kieran I said what would Kieran think about (laughs) this movie saying the world's gonna be nuclear uh, fallout in the year 1997 did you think that was outdated (laughs) well I think Steve you said to me off mic we're watching it like who got the future better right? T2 or, or Back to the Future? <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. That would be a like great thinking, debate. Which one got it more accurate? I 
think I'd go Terminator. <laughs> I, I, I'm scared <laughs> to say because we're not at we're not where at 2029 the, yet. So where let's the, just be careful. Where Metaf- the fuck is my hoverboard? <laughs> Metaphorically, we're all in 2029. Right? <laughs> right, right, right. Well, we're six years away. So yeah. let's be careful. But we are. But you know, it's 25 years off of the the blast that started all of it. With Simon, yeah, you know, yeah. That's mm-hmm. it. Still has a scale to yes. make itself rele- relevant. That's right. Ninety seven was the nuclear war, and now they're just fighting for it's just decades. Right. right? Yeah. 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 There's another big opening sequence to this one too. It's the kind of like the uh, the the B track opening sequence, and Arnold lands on planet Earth, yeah. uh, nineteen ninety seven. I guess we're in. Are, is the year ninety seven? It's ninety seven. It is in the yeah. because it's yeah. right. Be, it's before yeah. right the, before it yeah, goes yeah, everything gets invented. In so uh, Steve walks through this this gem of a scene here. The uh, the uh, biker bar scene, yes. which I did read. I don't know if you guys saw this. Also, the studio wanted to cut it, um, cut the bike scene because the budget was too big. And I and I wrote this one down because I don't want to forget it. Arnold said, they they went to Arnold and said, hey, um, you know, we 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 want to cut this bike scene out. And he said, only a studio guy would cut out a scene like that. Yeah. And he there said, it's I not mean, it's not being cut. Imagine, and, yeah. Imagine it's just them landing and then him on a bike. Yeah. Now, how do you get the bike? How do you get the clothes? Whatever. Yeah, just, you um, need, but you needed to see the dominance of him, right? Yeah. Like, and, yeah. the, and bad to the bone does not hit as much if he hasn't yeah. beaten up the entire bar. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I can't let you take that bike. And yeah. Yeah. It. It's fucking unbelievable. Yeah. That scene is so... And this is a character we think we know, whether yeah. the trailer's ruined it or not, but it brings us back yeah. to like, oh, this guy, you don't fuck yeah. with him. No. Yeah. And I, I, I go back and forth with bad to the bone. And this is maybe a hot take, I guess. But like, I still am going into this movie trying to forget that I know that he's a good guy. Me too. And when they play bad to the bone, it's like I agree. Playing games, it's kind of yeah. it's, it's it, kind of corny because but like it's ninety one. It's yeah, not sinister. What, it's not sinister. Yeah, but I I gotta say though, but like, it's awesome. Bad to the this is right. one of the things that's really kind of culturally cemented bad to the bone. It's like yep. bad to the bone. If everyone knows it, like they know born to be wild. Like they know like that's one of those songs. But part of it is this. I mean, this yeah. is one of the most. This yeah. is the highest grossing rated R movie of all time. This is everybody. I think a lot of people know it because of this. And it's it's it, okay. true. It's a really cool song. That, like it's kind of a stupid song. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's Thurgood, so he's right. doing his thing. But, you and I get it, just, and I respect yeah. him, and I'm not trying to. But like, it's Dwight, a stupid song in and of itself. Greater than Thurgood. Dwight Yoakam. Well, I gotta go with the other needle job here because we start with Dwight Yoakam. It's unbelievable. It. Yeah. yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, love Dwight Yoakam. Kieran, you sent that yesterday. I was like, oh, amazing. It. it came up on on uh, Prime Country or but uh, Steve, a word on Dwight Yoakam. I know he's it's one of your mom's favorites, right? Yeah, my mom actually won a signed guitar from Dwight Dwight Yoakam um, on a radio call in. She was like an expert radio call in person. Um, it was like the 90th caller. What a caller. 91 thing. What a 91. <laughs> and she got a signed guitar that my brother-in-law has at the house, and I keep hinting over and Give over again. Come on, come on, you don't even like Dwight Yoakam. <laughs> Give me the guitar. Let me hang it on my wall with all my band shit. I want the guitar. Um, but one thing I do have to say is the cigar scene. Oh, man. Um, when, when he puts the cigar out on Arnold, um, regrettably... Uh, I was at a park as a kid, and uh, I saw a lit cigarette on the ground that someone tossed. And because I recently watched that movie, I said, oh, I want to see how bad this hurts. Oh, damn. And I stuck it into my calf, and it, it hurt real bad. You still have the scar no. or no? It, well, I was just looking for it. It's, it's gone now. Yeah, but jeez. That's uh, the Terminator test. Yeah, you are. I, I'm not, <laughs> not a Terminator. I'm not, not a Terminator. Terminator. <laughs> and that was just a cigarette. Yeah. Uh, Yoakam, 
awesome. So I got to see him um, yeah, probably about seven years ago at a fest, country festival in Randall's oh, Island. Cool. He's a, a, a DJ on satellite radio. I think, oh, is on, he? Uh, Baker Street. Baker Street. Yeah. It's awesome. It's amazing. Get it. Put it on. Program. Also the star or the uh, villain in Sling Blade, Blade an yeah. underrated movie. Yeah. And he's uh, one of the one of the robbers in Panic Room too, David Fincher. That's right. Oh, yeah. that's right. That's yeah. funny. Yeah, so lo- love it. And now this scene here, it, my quote is going to happen real early. Uh, now, I don't want to read it though because my Arnold impression is good. I'm going to hass it off to Jay. Jay's a little yeah, nice. He's got it. He's got it. Jay, tell us tell us the quote of the movie here. I need your clothes, boots, and your motorcycle. <laughs> And he I goes, mean, you forgot to say please. <laughs> just incredible. You know, the you first know, carcinogenic. What like, I would, yeah, yeah, it's, it's scanning. So, all right, so two quick points. Well, first is bad to the bone. What I like about it is when it first kicks in, you know, you start to laugh. Like it's, you, or you feel good. Yeah. Just and it kind of like it drop. sets the tone for the for the comedic moments of this movie. Yes. So you're like, okay, this is gonna be like a light, fun-hearted, but action-packed movie. So that's cool. And that's what this movie nails. It's funny, right? It's a funny, funny right. movie. And then in the middle of that, they throw in the nuclear nightmare, right? Yeah, right, because right, right. it's like it's a dark kind of funny though. Yeah. It's like yeah. even oh, yeah. the lines that you laugh at aren't like for like your foster pounds are dead. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I burst out laughing. Yeah. Like, it's not really very funny at all. Me right. and my me and my me and my wife were hysterical laughing at that scene. That's really dark. <laughs> but it's just you know it's Arnold being Arnold. Yeah. On a side note, I always found the foster mom sexy. <laughs> but there you go. And I was sad to see her go. Yeah, the foster dad. That, that's a take. It, I don't know why. <laughs> that's a fucking. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the husband smoking in the house. He's, she, you know, she lets him run a cool household. The husband <laughs> dies drinking milk. So you know, oh, there's well your deserved. milk. There's your milk. But he was so good in Air Force One. I'm torn on ah, him. Air Force One. <laughs> also, uh, also kind of like the That's the funny. heel turned hero character in 24. Yeah, like the early oh, season yeah. of 24. Uh, uh, George Mason is yeah, his name in that. Man, That's, That's um, what should happen to every character drinking milk in movies. A fucking knife through their face. Well, it happened in the first one too, if you remember. Oh, yeah. I, yeah well, <laughs> and listen, I'm a big supporter of milk, Joey. I know you're not, Steve. I know you're not. But I got to say... No if you're eating a sandwich like that and you're pouring yourself a milk, that's a little, that doesn't, you know, milk, milk is a dessert. Drink. It's real it's, 90s, though, because they were pumping out milk, marketing milk. Milk like propaganda, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can talk about that from the in the episode. 90s. That is totally. Got like, milk. Stone cold with a fucking milk mustache. Yeah. That's fucking horseshit. All right. All right. Uh, we get, you get, well, anyways, get, the bike scene. Uh, my favorite part is when that motorcycle. when the guy falls and he real and he's just and Arnold just standing over him naked and the guy just throws him his keys. It's just I can't I can't, I can't let you take his wheels, <laughs> son. Right, right. But hey, I'll let you take was, my gun. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that guy was not ready to fire that thing, but he was standing up for what he believed in there. I will the say, if you want to get into comparisons, Karen, I'll give you T one's Arnold appearing. Out of nowhere, where he walks over LA, kind of, you know, and mm-hmm. sees the entire city butt ass naked. Yeah, that yep. is better than the T two, where it was just like, okay, we're just here, <laughs> you know. But uh, and he goes right into Bill Paxton, yeah, yeah. and uh, well, you talk about T one just briefly, like when Kyle Reese, Michael Bean comes back. You're telling me like you don't look around at all at like nineteen eight was it nineteen eighty nineteen eighty four four. You don't take a poke around. You just get well, right to your mission. He must be a really dedicated guy. We're gonna shift to. to Robert Patrick yeah. coming into this. Let's just get some thoughts on Robert Patrick. Kind of tease it a little bit here. What a fucking villain. Like, he starts off hot. We learn so much about him so quickly when the cop pulls up. And it just happened. You know, we don't see everything, but now he's in the cop uniform. And it's great. 
Yeah, they do a lot of kind of suggestive yeah. stuff, and yeah. Cameron's kind of big on that. Like he'll do see that there's, bunch, there's some of that in uh, in Aliens too. Yeah, and, it's it's good because you know we, we see so we see Arnold's entire thing with Patrick. They keep him more mysterious. Like, right. Let it let us figure right. it out, and yeah. I think they what, do a really good job of that. What I love, what I what he does with the T one thousand that I love is every scene from the his first scene to the end. He uses it to show you what the T-1000 is capable of. Mm-hmm. So the first scene is when they first um, go get, when they're trying to get John out of the arcade and him and Arnold meet up, you see that he could absorb bullets, right? With the, these, this alloy, alloy um, you know, metal that he's got inside of him. Then he can run as fast as the wind. Then the next scene, he's, um, then he can walk through fire, and he's this liquid metal. Then he can imitate voices and take a form, and use his hand as a sword to kill milk drinkers. And it's just like, and then he could be, become a floor and come out of the floor and stick a needle through someone's yeah. eyes. So it's like you learn how ridiculously powerful this evil villain is. The more you see him, and it's always something new. It's not like a one-trick pony. And they do a really cool job of setting up the rules of him that he's almost unstoppable, but keeping it contained. Because when um. When John Connor's like, oh, could he be a cigarette box? Like, no, he has to be the size of the thing. Right. But, yeah. You know, but oh, but he could also turn into knives and he could just turn into pokes. Like, everything is. It's like, holy right. shit. Like, oh. when he when he walks through the prison cells. Yeah. Yes, that's, that's another crazy. thing he can do. You're like, yeah. what? Well, gun, the gun not coming through is such a nice touch. Too. Yeah. Crazy yeah. touch. Yeah. Yeah. So the smart. words out of my mouth with doing, like, a, a movie today would overlook that. Mm-hmm. And when it happened, I wrote that down. It's in my notes, so you got it. But. And. The movie wins two Oscars for sound, and the sound in this movie, and Cameron is really good with sound. That's one of his his strengths. But just that 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 clink, clink. that clink is just kind of like it. it you feel it. You, you know, hear it's it before so, you see it. It's such a small detail, but it's so it's just so in your face. And it that brings sound. you into it, like you feel it, like you. It adds another second for now Sarah to start going. Like, you're so yeah. aware of everything. It's you so hear the smart. leather zipping. You hear Arnold walk, and, like, everything is... Some, somebody told me that the, the sound of him going through the metal bars, is, they used, um, like, dog food coming out of a can. So it's like yeah. that... No, see, like, that's... That's and the and the uh, at the end the, the 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 like the rod when it pulls out of the side the same and, thing. Yeah. Uh, how do you pronounce it? Fidel, 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 Brad, Fidel was using a cast iron pan for that like because it was like this like modern yeah. technological but like it wasn't some like stupid techno thing yeah, yeah the, the clanging of that little piece of shrapnel yes. in the back of the oh, car yeah. clink 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 and then it just brilliant into his foot yeah so so good uh, Robert Patrick I gotta say man this is an example of a character actor who knows what he is mm-hmm. he knows what his career is he knows what his career trajectory is he knows he's a character actor and he also knows that this will this is probably the biggest stage he'll ever be on. And he, and he owns just it. says, you know what? I'm gonna fire this thing off and not blink. I'm gonna run as fast as I can. I'm gonna like he he knows mm. this is his moment. Like a Marco Scudero or a David Freeze or someone in right. on the this is this is my time in the World and, Series to be the World Series MVP. And, and he just he just owns it. And there's a funny thing that they talked about his like train running regimen, how intense it got, that Dude, he was actually nose, right? he was actually catching the motorcycle wow. because he was going so fast. Yeah. Because he he like he knew what this was. Can I just say that I still from the moment I watched this movie to today, I still imitate Robert Patrick's run with the open fist <laughs> yeah, and absolutely. The, the stiff fingers. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's how you run fast? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah. as a kid, I'm like, well, this. I still do it. I, uh, I raced my team in suicides, like the classic foul line, right. half court, foul line, full court. 
and I run like Ryan yeah, Patrick. You got I think about him every time I see so him. So you it go fast just a little bit yeah. faster. Yeah. I think it, what in one of our in one of our episodes we talked about like the most iconic running in cinema. And he yeah, came the up. Chariots of Fire. Yeah, chariots. <laughs> with, uh, with the thing you said about his running regimen, apparently he was only breathing through his nose yep. the entire time to make it look more like a cyborg. Whatever, That's brilliant. But using yeah. yeah. So he didn't but have to open his mouth. He looked like almost like a shark at times yeah. or like... Uh, with the slick back hair like and the an big eagle, ears. Like yeah. looking around for his prey. And, Very calm. Uh, man, he was so good. And I just got to give a shout out to him and the Sopranos. I was just going to going to lead you into it. One of your favorite shows. Uh, I just... He's so good as a degenerate gambler as well as... T one thousand. It's tough to say what better. I'll give him the nod on T one thousand. Yeah, it's sort of the sad gambler. Yeah, it was yeah. just a stud. A step. He was in one of the Die Hard sequels, <laughs> just right? Stud a step. Uh, he um, two. He was, he was right two. Yeah. Okay, yeah. It's incredible that James Cameron could do two different bad guys in in two different movies, same franchise. Arnold is a completely different bad guy than the T one thousand is, and it, they still both work. Amazing. Yeah. And they work together. Like they right. make sense. Like this is the next progression. Right. He's got to get so... better. He's got to get quicker, faster. Yeah. Like, they, again, these stupid rules. Like this is what is it so. I forget what episode I complained about this on. Like if you, I'm good if you create rules. Let's just live with them. Like I right. don't care what they are. Yeah. This creates them and lives with them and they make them fucking work. And that's why everything is so goddamn effective. Yeah. Right. Got to shout out uh, Robert Patrick, too, who was uh, in a season of, uh, it was kind of like the end boss in a season of Burn Notice. So there's the Burn Notice uh, love there. You, you got to love when he pops Hell up. Hell of a and career. He knows what I he is. I believe his brother is the lead singer of Filter. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, brother's the lead singer of Filter. Robert Patrick also, I think, cops in on uh, X Files. He's in like the late yeah, season he's in of X Files. He replaces either Mulder or Scully in that one. Yeah, yeah he was in X Files. He was also. Probably, I think I'm sure I'm the only one. He was in Peacemaker, and he was great. Yeah, yeah, cool. I've not seen Peacemaker. Yeah, so I know, but, I know you haven't. Uh, but is he? I want to say um, Copland. Is he in Copland? Too? Probably. He's in a lot of stuff, and he's really good. At, like, yeah, every... he's just a great character yeah. actor. He's a, he he slides into that little role there. Never gonna star in a movie. Nope. But, but he knows that, and every time he pops in, I'm like, oh fuck, Robert Patrick. And then he's really good, and I'm not surprised. Well, like you're saying, it not talking so much makes him mysterious and more evil and not and James Cameron not showing every way that he goes about you know taking over someone or taking someone's car is just great it keeps him very mysterious so they Cameron does a great job at making him this almost um, untouchable bad yeah. guy that you don't think how could they possibly defeat this guy and I like that he wasn't turning into people at every step of the way that he was staying as Robert Patrick because right it's easier everywhere he's someone else and you're always figuring it out but right. that you don't get to you don't get to feel the full villainry of him like that right it's not as bad as if he's pretending to be people as it is as him just being himself and just exactly. coming into the bit like here in. I am <laughs> like, yeah. because he was a cop so he could fit into all these scenarios but he doesn't have to be a different cop every place to be right. like oh I'm this guy like it, it heeats him hey that's a nice bike yeah um, <laughs> that's a good it, one. so we talked about two uh, hot needle drops to <laughs> start that there. With, that was uh, good. Dwight Yoakam oh, and Thoroughgood. Well, the best let's one. Let's talk Guns N' Roses and let's talk little Eddie Furlong here. Eddie Furlong and Bobby Budnick. <laughs> fucking Guns yeah. N' Roses. I do have, I did wrote down yeah. Budnick in my <laughs> notes. That's the only, that's his name. Sure. I looked him up on Instagram. I think. For all our, yeah. our younger listeners out here, uh, Budnick was, 
I, I guess like kind of like the bully type character, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Salute your shorts. Him and donkey, donkey lips. Show. Yes. Donkey it, lips. Right? It's I hope we never part. Now get it right or pay the price. <laughs> Camp okay. Anawana. Yeah. We hold you in our hearts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He died a few years ago. Damn, I oh, would did go, he? I, yeah. Oh. Wow. Oh man. Yeah, it's on. I don't think it. Uh, he, he wore a lot of sunscreen. What, so it, it wasn't skin cancer. <laughs> no. It was not a melanoma. Damn. But yeah, it's on Paramount Plus. Salute your shorts. And really, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, he's he comes in hot in this one. Comes in kind of. He, he makes the most of his screen time. You know what? He, he's right. a great friend. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. the same. Great it. friend. What a right. friend. Yeah, I don't know who this is. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Great fucking. Yeah, but the Guns N' Roses song, Amazing. "You Could Be Mine." I mean, did I listen to any other song though? Like every time they got on the bike, it's <laughs> uh, like we'll save it for the nitpick song. We'll save it for the nitpick song. <laughs> <laughs> but that was like, listen, they're poor. They have one tape. They recorded that off the radio, and that's all they got. All right, we'll save it for the nitpick song. That being said, it. I listened to it on the way to work and on the way home today. Oh, well, so, maybe, yeah, maybe. Listen, you got the I, would, I was baking hot dogs for dinner. Just listening to "You Could Be Mine" on repeat. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, Budnick. More yeah. Budnick. More Budnick. <laughs> I think Budnick should have been in the mix. He, yeah. went, he went into music. I think he's like a music guy now. Yeah, he only has I thought a... you said he died. No, Ugg. no, no. Ugg. Oh, Ugg died. All oh, right, so Budnick, Budnick is still with us. Yeah, he's a musician. Yeah, he's okay, got good. about 2,000 followers on Instagram. I found him today. There we that's go. It? Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah, we'll get him to Man, follow us. Him and Donkey Lips. Do- Donkey Lips looks um, eerily similar to Freddie Freeman, if you put the two pictures up. <laughs> Up against each other. <laughs> Edward Furlong. What do we think about uh, him? Some thoughts? Uh, I, this is his first thing. film, right? First film. I, it's just like watching him. It's like, man, all the potential in the fucking world. Mm. I'll say the coolest haircut. Great hair. Mm. That Great is such a hair. 90s haircut. Yep. God. He's a 90s character. He's mm. the punk. You know, he plays it right. And, Great yeah. hair. Perfect hair for sure it. Sure, we all did our homework. We saw where he came from, which was yep. Broken Home. And they found him for this part. He didn't have a great screen test. And... Um, but he was right for the part. Um, I'll talk about him more later. But I mean, compared to everyone else in the film, I mean, do kids enhance films? Not really. It's always a touchy subject. It really is. But, it's just, you, you have to You need him. You need him. You need a risk. Yeah, you need him. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, look at something like the early Star Wars with Anakin and those. Like that can really right. ruin a movie if you really miss. Yeah, I think this the dynamic of him and Arnold. Where I think. I think John Connor has struggles some places along the way in this movie. Mm. I think everything him and Arnold of like the rotating father son relationship of who's the father and who's Man. the son is so strong yeah. throughout and I really and fucking love it. Off the set they had apparently got along really well. Yeah. And uh Linda Hamilton said that uh, the reason they got along so well is because they both had the same brain. <laughs> I do think it's a stroke of genius having that dynamic between John and Arnold. It's funny. It's innocent. Yep. It adds to the heartbreak at the end. It's perfect. Yep. Without that dynamic, this movie is not as good at yeah. all. And you know, totally. You know, I, I whatever. I, I think Edward Furlong's very good in this. Of course, there's things to criticize. Yeah, you know, of course. Any kid. It's a kid. But the chemistry with him and Arnold, it all works so well. The payoff at the end, like, Jay, right. when you sent that text the other day of, you know, I know why you <laughs> cry. I now know why. You like, cry. I was like, I was like, oh, man, that fucking works. And if he's bad, that doesn't work. So right. like, that's a testament to Edward Furlong. Mm. Right. I, I was very nervous coming into this one with with Furlong because uh, I I feel like the – I watched this around when we did the the – Gentlemen's Agreement episode, I watched this, and I feel like my reaction to him wasn't great back then, but I gotta be honest, I was very pleasantly surprised at this. I thought he connected emotionally with what the movie was trying to say. Mm-hmm. I, I, I 
I thought that I thought that Cameron used him appropriately. He let it get off the leash a little bit, which is fine because that's kind of like the type of character he is. But he hit him at times too. Yeah, he he kind of worked for me. He kind of worked for me this time around with it, and you know I'm sure we'll get into it more as we go. But it was kind of a pleasant surprise. Yeah, yeah I think. he plays that uh, love when Furlong does like the whole um, you know dip shit. Wow, dip shit! Yeah, like he's a very good cocky it's, it's uh, very young kid. Bart Simpson. <laughs> right, right, right. Which yeah, is yeah, yeah. So of its time. And That's there very were so good. many That's kids good. like that hanging around the mall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But like yeah. he plays or the Galleria. He plays yeah. the, you know, he's a kind of traumatized kid with a heart who's has that tough exterior. Like he plays it very well. Right. Yeah. They and yes, and they have his haircut and his wardrobe down perfectly. Listen, I would have fucking murdered someone in second grade for that haircut. Yeah. So yeah. those are the two haircuts between him and Budnick. That's yeah. a, you had the mullet or kind of <laughs> oh, like the, the, mushroom. the fiery red. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, Bud, <laughs> that Budnick do is fresh. Yeah, I tell you what, it's aged well. <laughs> at least it's, it's back. It's back. It's back. <laughs> Budnick is back, baby. <laughs> oh man! And now, and now we just dated this episode because three years from now, the mullet's going to be out again. And it's gonna be it should be out. My God, uh, we get what was going on in '91, but what was going on in 2023? <laughs> yeah. We were all just fucking. We're in 2029. We're all fucking broken. Oh God! But uh, man, Linda Hamilton back in the mix here. Very, very different role. Yeah. From, from Terminator One, well, I love that intro to her with the the bed flipped up and she's doing pull ups. So um, badass! So badass! The and, lighting, and then she flips up. That you know, he goes, uh, you know, turns on the intercom. How's how's your knee? Um, <laughs> He's like, oh, well, uh, yeah. she, we had an incident. But like, <laughs> she, I'll talk more about her later because I really loved her in this film. Um, and just a flip, like Kieran said, from. Terminator 1 when she was uh, the waitress and meek and whatever and now she's a badass yeah and you could see it right away yeah. you know because I was thinking about it because I watched these two back to back and I was like I-, I can't think of someone who more from one movie to the next movie impressed me more where yeah. you know I've seen these both so many times but watching them back to back and differently because you watch things differently for this so I watched it and I'm like okay you know, she is what she is in one and I was like all right, I guess you know, Linda Hamilton again. And then right away, I'm like, oh, no, she's fucking amazing yeah. in T2. And Steve, yeah. right. we watched these back-to-back. I got to say, you ever want to find yourself a double feature on a Sunday, mm. Saturday, oh, rainy man. day, snowy day? What a double feature. Mm. I mean, it's just, they are just different enough. Yep. They are just similar enough. But you're all in. Is, right. Oh, man. After that first one, I was just fired up to put on the second one. Yeah. And double features right. can be tricky. Sometimes it's like, I just watched a movie, I'm going to watch another movie. Like, I think these two as a companion pieces are, yeah. are so much more than a movie in its sequel. Agree. When we do these um, tournaments, I, I hate the idea of picking sequels because I think it just bastardizes both. This, I was like, oh no, both of these have to be in there because they're different enough that they exist in their own mm. worlds that they both deserve to be there and one's not going to take away from the other. Right. I have written down in my notes, I love the difference between Sarah Connor in the yeah. first and the second. In the first one, the opening shot of her, she's riding her like uh, Vespa-style moped <laughs> Pretty music playing, wind in the air, you know, smiling on her face, and um, just she's just very happy. In the second one, she's miserable yeah. in this mental hospital. Um, she's a waitress in the first one. She's clumsy. She's like the damsel in distress throughout the whole film. She doesn't know what's going on. In the second one, she's got her own theories and mm-hmm. and ideas about and plans she's, about what's happening, what's going to happen. She's so capable. Yeah, it almost might change too when. She goes uh, in the end of the first one on your feet, soldier. Like I feel like once she was starting she to get said it, that 
the whole time, like you da- damsel in distress, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On your feet, soldier, I thought it was so badass. That was the transformation. Yeah. And yeah. right there, she pulled him up to try to get both of them to survive. And then, like you said, the transformation between both is this. Yeah. And the way awesome. he made Arnold two different characters yep. is just great. It's Brilliant. so great. Man, James Cameron has a way about his him segmenting his, his movies. And and you know you know I, I want to you know I, I take a little bit of contempt with that Joe because the guy's spent a lot of time in between his movies and he's a little older in his filmmaking and he's got sucked into the Avatar world and if the Avatar world isn't for you it's not for me either but it is for some people and sure. he's got many many you know billions of dollars to prove how much people like that stuff too well can't account for taste well hey it's out there but if we look at his body of work he has such a way of progressing the movie. Through visual scene changes. It's almost like a video game. It's like, you're at level one. Now we've moved to level two. Now we've moved to level three. Huge and cool when we're pieces. And when we're at Sarah Connor doing pull-ups, like, we've now entered the world of this asylum. Like, this is the, this is a mm-hmm. world within the movie. Yep. And then, you know, we'll be in the desert later. And then at the end, we'll be in the in the factory, the gritty fucking metal factory. You know, we have the, the, the beginning scene with the, the chase and the turnpipe. And, the, like, there's the movie is so... It's laid out in such a way... That you just you get lost in all these little worlds within the movie, the the Miles Dyson Miles Dyson's house right. with the remote control car. And nothing's just, rushed. You get to yeah. live there. Yeah, it's funny because I have written down opening sequence, bar scene, uh, mall galleria, bike getaway, hospital escape scene, cy- uh, cyberdyne. What is it called? Cyber cybernet. Cyber yeah. cybernet takedown. Uh, nuclear nuclear nightmare steel mill like so it's like boom God, boom boom I mean, boom boom the set boom. designs yeah. of all these how does this not get a, a, a set absurd direction absurd yeah. that that's Art not direction one, Oscar, when I saw like, you know okay six thumbs it's like alright set direction you know the production design this is fucking top notch yeah yeah oh man I, I just love it you know what I love that James Cameron does so well exposition <laughs> if we oh, must Jay, talk <laughs> Jay I have the note down I'm so jealous that you got there first yeah he's brilliant at exposition Great. so even in the first one Kyle Reese tells the entire story in a car chase you know yeah. the entire backstory so in the second one it's like how's he gonna top this and First, he does Budnick and uh, we're calling him Budnick. Yeah. <laughs> Budnick. He's Budnick. He's he Budnick. does Budnick and Eddie Furlong, and he gives the backstory about Sarah Connor briefly when um, John Connor is stealing from the ATM, and he's like, "Where'd you learn this? Learned it from my mom. Oh, so she's pretty cool. No, she's a psycho. Like, gives you the entire. Uh, and he even says she got caught uh, trying to blow up a computer factory, and he thinks she's a loser. So right there, you got their entire backstory of. Uh, Tells you so much about the character. Son, right, son, mother, right? And then um, Arnold explaining the T-1000 in the car. Cameron is so good at, at telling you this, what, what you're, at giving you the backstory during an action sequence. Yeah, right. <laughs> Don't forget the doctor. The doctor giving the tour of the Silberman. other doctors. Silberman. Like, right. Oh, yeah, Silberman. Dr. Silberman, played by Earl Bone. Comes in with the other actor. Oh, she believes that this is happening. And then oh, I think it was the year 2029. Like he's able to like yeah. kind of. But it's it's done in a way that is genuine, right? It doesn't feel like, stale. It, all, yeah, it works in the forced, world, right? Yeah. Right. Right. One of our most interesting patients because she's got this elaborate story and, and like the they're like how creative. Like wow, so she came smart. up like her her yeah. her yeah. delusions are pretty genius. <laughs> the exp- and both them Terminator one and this everything's so smartly laid out to you that you never feel like you're being told things. You're right. learning it. You're just learning it as part of the story, which is how and, things should go. You know, if we look at Titanic, which would be his next film and his his Oscar winner and the, probably what he's most known for, Avatar side. Uh, Joe, I know how much you love Avatar already, but uh, bro, 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 
Bro, but, uh, I forgot to write words, so I'm just going to say, bro. Um, have you guys seen The Abyss? Yeah, it's in the this is fucking awesome. Yeah, like it's right the, in there. The guy's like, a great filmmaker. Is... But we tease Titanic as script as much as we do. But there's some good exposition in within Titanic. Also, I'm they very find high a way on to Titanic. Make it, so to to make it work, and Titanic also has that. You can you can envision different sections of that movie and this and the set design and yeah. how the scenes are set up, and you know that's him kind of coming coming to a, a, a Titanic's a like the... yeah. It's whereas like it's I mean brilliant. Titanic, yeah, it's fucking brilliant. <laughs> you know, I'm not. It, this isn't to bash. Um, action films nowadays but i always feel like nowadays exposition is done like in front of this um everyone's around this this computer it's done poorly. hologram it's thing fireplace. everyone's in front yeah. of a hologram and they're like going through okay this is the bad guy and this is why we, we don't like him and this is why he's yeah. not good and now we get let's go fight him like it's like okay that scene was about explaining everything right. to or us there's whereas, voiceover. Like, he's multi james cameron multitasking throughout this entire you just never you you learn it appropriately right you right, never right. feel dumped on it's exposition with organically yes like yes. exposition is one of the most botched things yeah. in, in filmmaking and i gotta say the character like Dr. Silberman, who really is an exposition dump character. That's what his entity is. But you also emote about him, and mm-hmm. you and you fucking you fucking oh, hate him. You want yeah. to stab him in the kneecap. When he spits out the uh, cap to the um, yeah the syringe, yeah. like right. slow, and he spits it out. It's yeah. Good. When he finally witnesses all the stuff that he's been mocking, I love that they let this character yeah. live because him. Living, having to process all of this is so much better than him dying. Time. It's yeah. such a worse fate for <laughs> him she than was him right. dying because right. he's got to now live with this. Twice. Yeah. And this time he can't deny because he saw it with his own eyes. How does one person right. come into a police station and kill 17 Right after cops? you walked out. So like, you know what? Fuck Please, Silverman. Don't, don't. I'm going to start talking about that scene in that movie and just go. Uh, we're just going to be a T1 podcast. It's, it's <laughs> but, you know, like, with, when he's like, even when Silverman, after the knee part, when he backs away and the rapey, and he goes to like the rapey orderly while the other, <sighs> while the other, um like the intern or whatever, like looks in. And Sarah just doesn't break her like vision of the like she's she knows she's getting out, she's figuring yeah. it out. Like all of that is so well done. And I yeah. like I just wanna see her fuck Silverman up. Yeah, jeez, the the rapey character. That felt like we were in a Tarantino uh, movie. That lick. Yeah. <laughs> like I really hope I Well know, he gets he gets his son. His name don't is bust it in <laughs> Well, you know what? Good. Deserve. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, I love that. She she well, should have fucking hung out. Well, just... one of my favorite scenes and why I love her so much in this film is when she gets out and she's skipping. You remember yeah, when she's skipping skip the, the skip hat? That's so funny you brought that up. That's my favorite scene of the, the movie. Night, yeah. She grabs a nightstick. Yep. It's so natural Fluidly. and badass. <laughs> it's fluid. And I was like, yeah. I, when I was watching it, I was like, this might be one of my favorite it's my, scenes. Uh, like, yeah. the, the breakout scene yeah. is my great. favorite scene of the movie. And part of it, when she like picks it up and does that like hop, but it's so natural. I, it, yeah, it's, so natural. It's like she just did that because that's how she, right. and it's fucking great. Yeah. This ain't your Terminator One, Sarah Connor anymore. Yeah. That's for sure. It's yeah. a it's a wonderful performance. Um, and this may be a hot take. I think it's an Oscar caliber she, performance. She, I think well, she's that good. In I this. was gonna bring this up later. I'll bring it up now. Who who's better? Her in Terminator Two, or Sigourney Weaver in Alien? In OG Alien yeah. or Aliens? Because Aliens, Aliens, yeah. she gets a nomination for I lead know, actress, I which know. is pretty wild. And she's very good, particularly beginning of part of that movie. Because um, it's so, like, she's, um, it's, I don't it's, know. They're it's, both great. Ah, man, I, I guess I may have to lean towards Sigourney Weaver. Uh, just because she's she's just doesn't have a whole lot else to play with. She's kind of 
She's yeah. really got to got to do a lot herself. Yeah. Uh, in that. And, True. And Linda Hamilton's great in this too. I, I do think this is an Oscar coverage, and there, there's a scene in this that just blows me away. It's when she's just so locked in on escaping, and she sees Arnold turn that corner. Oh yeah. And just crumbles <laughs> like a like a like a poorly a poorly appropriated Jenga tower. You know, just like done. Right. Done and then crawling. He's gonna kill us all. Yep. He's gonna kill. It is just. It's so to the point where she's ignoring the screams of her own son. Yes, that's mm. how locked and traumatized she was with it. Just I love, it's love the execution of that. Scene. Uh, she was great. I think she only had one miss in this entire thing, and I think it was when when she was talking. And she's like, "If you don't have two thousand SPF." You're baked. You get it? Like, I fucking hate <laughs> that scene. You didn't like the whole scene or the line? That line. The rest of the scene, right. I, I think the rest she's of fantastic. The, scene I love. Well, the, the problem is she doesn't say SPF. She says... <laughs> Whatever she 2000 says. 2,000 sun. Whatever she, she yeah. yeah. The rest of the scene, I think she's fucking great in. But, but that's that, writing, though. That's not, And it's yeah. not her fault. But I think that's her. I think that's that character's only missed the entire movie. I yeah. think she's fucking fantastic otherwise. But that scene You're is done. really good. And she's good without, at that Without that one line, she is great. Yeah. Again, I'm not saying it's her fault, but it's a miss. It's just, yeah, it doesn't it's a bad fit. line. It's a bad line. But otherwise, she's great in this entire movie, and I don't have a bad thing to say about it. Yeah, her. I mean, I don't know if I should talk about it now or later, but we're talking about Linda Hamilton now. So what took me so many years to realize, and I realized it just watching it the other day, and I've seen this movie 15 to 20 times probably, if I'm being honest. 20th time, I, I really kind of realized that she like became the Terminator. And it's like later on when she yeah. goes to to his house. Miles Dyson. Yes. Goes to the Miles house and she's dressed in all black and she's just focused on killing this person. And I have it written down here. Wow. Um, she becomes the Terminator because she's about to kill an innocent man based on actions he has not yet committed. And he says that it's- too, which is that's amazing. I yeah. love that. I love that. And it's that's awesome. what I realized watching it 23, 20-something no, yeah. years later is that you know she leaves the, the desert or whatever, which I don't particularly love the desert scene. I think it's the only small lull in the movie, but I still it's necessary. But when she goes to Miles' house and she's dressed in all black and she's going to kill somebody for something that he hasn't done yet, isn't that like the first movie when – He's coming back in time, Terminator. It is to kill. Yeah, you nailed yeah. it. I love that. That's yeah. awesome. It's a great, and that's, that's a great sight. And that's something I realized the other day watching it. Like she's the Terminator right now. Yeah, she's become the. Terminator. She's become the Terminator. I love that. And like that's what is so fucking genius about this film, and why it is so amazing is he was able to kind of recreate this in the second movie and have a different Terminator, and she kind of became the Terminator. Right. Yeah. Oh, we're and, on thematic layers already. Here we go. Yeah. You know? I mean, but it's so smart because, you know, it just shows how much she evolves and how clever she is. Jay, did you have any thematic layers here? Fired up? Ready to go? Or did the well, I just wanted, take them all out of you? Well, I did. I wanted to say that she decides not to kill him. And, I know. And the, she which is great. Down. Which is um, she had humanity. She has a the theme, humanity, right? Yeah. Because also... And she's got her son going out of his way to make sure that people yep. aren't killed, which is why he kind of... That's why he's... The one the they remember. He's the leader, and, not her. Um, right, right, right. He learns from her. I mean, yeah. he taught Arnold to not kill in this yeah. movie yeah. himself. Yeah. So He learns from her, but he also teaches her. Yep. And with her deciding not to kill Miles Dyson, Miles Dyson in this film, I thought was like fucking awesome. <laughs> like, is that Dude. Do you, not, do you not agree? Oh, no, oh. I do agree. He was but amazing. Dude, he is, he gets our Godfather Award for death scenes. Do you know who? Oh, my like, God. Him? 
him being shot. Yeah. Twice. He gets to do it twice, too. Gets to, <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you know who turned down the role because they didn't want to be sweating the whole movie and being like panicked the entire movie? My guess would be Samuel L., but. Close. Louder. Denzel. Denzel. said, I'm sorry, Jim, I can't take the role because I, it just seems like this character is sweating and panicked the entire right. movie, and I don't want to do it. Well, Wait. Joe Morton, work to Joe Morton's favor. <laughs> he's fucking fit. When he's shaking, he says, I don't know how long I could. Is <sighs> so good. Like, you feel everything with him, and when he does that, it's just the look on his face. He knocks this goddamn performance out of the park. Yeah, and I talked about the, the Robert Patrick running after the cop car. My next thing that I remember the most is is that is him is him two things him being shot and like his wife grabbing him and yeah. him just just going for it I mean he's just he's like full on he's like is this a Shakespeare thing did I just get stabbed in a Shakespeare play or am I in Terminator 2 and, and, and then him holding up the thing it's amazing if you boom you know yeah. just it's great if you were to ask me I think he's in this movie like 40% more because he stands out to me so, so much he's so impactful it's, it's a Juicy little role for him, and and he crushes Joe it. Morton just crushes it. I, I crushes it. Absolutely agree. Let's talk about uh, chases in general. Let's talk about chases, yeah. car chases, well, motorcycle chases, my favorite, truck chases. My favorite part of the chase, and I have to find this because I wrote this down. Which chase I, specifically? The chase. Has uh, a lot of chases. In, yeah, in the truck, and uh, Arnold pulls John Connor onto his mm. bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of my favorite scenes as a kid, and today, I mean, there's so many favorite scenes in this movie. Is when he spin cocks the shotgun and mm. blows it like <laughs> one, and, one hand. Yeah, and I read that he pulled the, the skin came off his finger on that on the on doing that Practicing so many takes it, yeah. with John Connor um, on the bike with him. Yeah. But when he spin cocks that, yeah. Oh, I mean, God. you mentioned I, him on the bike being badass, but then you add a shotgun and the leather jacket and the sunglasses, and you're like iconic. Can we do this today in real life? <laughs> oh, like man. just ride around like that? Yeah. I gotta, I gotta call out the. The helicopter chase scene. That's my I mean, favorite chase. I re- yeah, absolutely. Just, I just I'm watching this. I'm like, God, could you imagine just being in like your apartment window and looking at this? Going to be like, Oh, what the fuck? James Cameron's filled in a fucking movie. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Look at that helicopter go. You're chasing him, going up and under the overhangs. And like they said that like right. the camera people refused to film it because of how unsafe it was. And James is like, Fuck it, I'm gonna get back there myself. He, he like embraces inner Vince McMahon. And he's like, We're gonna do it ourselves, pal. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. It is. It is my favorite chase in the movie. Incredible. Every chase, like every chase, I'm like, oh man, this is my favorite chase. Then the next one happens, and I can't believe that the- <laughs> I said yeah. the other one was my favorite. Oh, They're it's all- a movie of chases. Yeah, and you know what? They work. They get you to the next place in really exciting ways, and nothing feels forced. When we do our our French Connection episode, because that has one of the most famous car chases in, in, in cinema history in it, we're gonna I think we're gonna talk just. Best chases in movies, like when and this is T two's got to come up as, as maybe we just like merge them all together, maybe several because I mean the truck and the bike with the, the convertible truck, I mean that's just like that's how, like iconic. You, yeah, you and, can't forget it's iconic. You can't forget. That's, that's like, why I use that word, but that yeah, is that iconic. is legitimately. But I I don't know. I think I agree with Jay that the helicopter is my favorite chase. Yeah. Yeah, that's like not the, uh, one you think about first. When right. You think of this movie, but, but I think it's it, my favorite. It's, it's, yeah. Might be and yeah. rewatching it, the convertible truck was like awesome and i was like i need to find out why like who comes up with an idea like that and uh it couldn't fit under that overhang so right. cameron said fuck, fuck it, it. We'll <laughs> just take off the top like, yes and, and listen you know filmmakers like cameron like they're probably very tough to work with they probably don't have a lot of friends behind the scenes 
but it just takes a visionary to do something right. like that. How many people be like, ah, all right, we got to change scene locations or we got to change it from a truck <laughs> to like a, a U-Haul right. or something. He goes, no, it's going to fucking be a convertible now. And then <laughs> when, when he pops back exactly. up. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, yes, <laughs> so good. Yeah, that's just brilliant. a visionary. It's just what it is. And, and it's unbelievable. It's it's, I don't it, care if he's listen. It's not. He doesn't have to be my friend. He just have to make shit I enjoy. It's funny, man, because like I think Chris G sent out into the group chat today like a a meme that was comparing The Shining to, yeah. to Titanic, and I was like, "Fuck that!" I had that first. Yep. Listen to our episode. You I put was that like, out there. I, I yeah, just randomly did that. But I was watching this, and you, I do see touches of Kubrick. Oh, with Cameron's work. You can see the influence. Hundred percent. He clearly loves that, Kubrick. Like, yeah, and he's just got such a locked in vision. Yeah. He knows what he wants to do, and he's going to do it, and fuck you if you get in his way. And I respect yeah. the shit. Whether I like the thing he makes or not, I respect <laughs> what he does. And he's going to use as much money as possible and as much time as he, possible. He's the opposite of Eastwood. We oh, talked about yeah. our Unforgiven episode. Eastwood gets you yeah. under budget, under time. Cameron, you're well, you know what? I'm not on a clock, and you know what? I'm going to need some money. Yeah. You know, they're going to be blue. And he's also... Um, He's also pretty frisky on the set too. I was doing some uh, some well, digging. Yeah, I didn't realize that he ended up hooking up with Linda Hamilton. What? I think he ma- did. He married, he married her. Yeah, while getting a divorce from Catholic- yeah. Catherine Bigelow, but then had an affair with the woman that plays the granddaughter in Titanic, uh, Susie yep. Annis. Yep. Oh boy. And then uh, and he, he cheated moved, to get yeah. with Catherine Bigelow. A lot of uh, he's a yeah. He's, he's got he's, a lot on his mind. No Listen. wonder. No wonder they're going over time. He's spending all the time <laughs> macking his, his this future projects here. <laughs> I mean, I think at this point he's fully. I don't think he's talked to a human being in like three years. <laughs> that, that's not wearing like motion capture. He does seem. If you just look at his filmography, though. You just see such evidence of him being obsessed with projects, though, because oh yeah, if you look at like you look at Abyss and the Terminator, like the next several things are all Terminator Two related, like yep. video game. This and you see director's cut, and he's putting so much time into it till he shifts to Titanic, and then after Titanic, he directs like three different documentaries about the Titanic. He's just fucking living underwater, like at the, at the Atlantic yeah, Ocean floor. He's a like, hyper focused yeah, person. Yeah. And now at the next six movies in his filmography are all Avatar movies. He's on he's Avatar do that till he dies. Don't yeah. forget about Aquaman. What what is Aquaman? An entourage. Oh. <laughs> That's what he directs right. in, Entourage. in Entourage. Oh, is that true? Vinny Chase and he, he uh, Mandy Moore. No, or is it uh, is it Jessica Alba or, Man- or Mandy Moore? Mandy Moore. It ends up being Mandy Moore, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he was obsessed with that film also but within the, a TV show. The guy's a f- he's gets so <laughs> hyper obsessed, but then he does shit like Terminator One and Terminator Two. Like the fact that Abyss exists in between there. I mean, that's not the only movie in there, but like it's so good. And a True Lies shout out because they just came up with a TV show, True Lies. I saw that. So really? True Lies was in between Terminator 2 and Titanic. Titanic. Yeah, I love True Lies. Oh, yeah. Somebody who picked that? Artie. Artie B. Yeah. Artie. Artie B. It's impossible to find, though, which is crazy that yeah. a Cameron movie you can't find anywhere. Hmm. We'll hope with the show coming out, maybe they'll make it more Hopefully. Who, who's doing the show? Like Peacock uh, um, or Paramount. One oh, okay. T1 versus T2. Let's just get it out of the way now. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's, we, we can't dance around it anymore. Um, uh, my, my, my opinions have been stated. Uh, I listened back to our Gentleman's Agreement episode. I, I thought I stated it pretty clearly. I mean, you go back and, and check that one out. To me... I just love the origin story. I love the gritty nature of it. I think one of the things I said in the episode, and Steve, it was the same thing that you said to me when we watched it this week, like the love story of it all. It's just kind of a great love story. And people get on camera all the time about not doing that stuff well. And I think he nails it in that movie. 
Um, and I just love the I just love the scale down, lost in that world of the city, the murky streets, and and going into the discotheque and all that stuff. I, I to me, it's just uh, I I it was on my top ten list, and, and yeah. well spoken from there. But um, Steve, you watched it for, this week for the first time in a very very long time, right? I watched both for the first time in a very, very long time, and I, um, damn, I loved both so much, and we spoke about it before, is it being like a Sunday matinee, watching both back-to-back, like, I had cut myself off to go to bed at a certain time, because I'm a teacher, and I wake up obnoxiously early, and there was no way I was getting up and not finishing Terminator 2. (laughs) Ah, man, Um, gun to my head, Uh, I'm going T2 still. After thinking about it a little bit, I love the grittiness of one. I love the noir type feelings, and like you said, in the club, and Arnold kicking ass in the in the police station is the siege is of the police station. So is unbelievable, amazing, unbelievable. T two, um, I'd rewatch it right now again. I was before you guys got here. Um, to me, it just edges it just a little bit, even though it's kind of like a grander, bigger remake of Terminator One. Um, I just I wish it was just one movie almost or one film. Yeah, it's hard to choose one, but yeah. I would go T two. Jay, what are your thoughts? My thoughts are in the first. I like how in the second one he uses that Terminator POV that mm-hmm. he never uses in the first one, and yep. he uses it right off the bat. Mm. The special effects are obviously better in the second one. There's that scene in the first one where Arnold's like looking at his face in the mirror, and you go, and you're like, the can obviously see yeah. that this is not Arnold's real face. Um, I kind of dug this. I think, Steve, you reacted to that too. You're like, oh, it's fucking like, cool. I prefer that <laughs> than some of the shit we get today. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'd rather them like, that. someone sat there for hours fucking doing that. Right. And like, Sitting there with the and, and Arnold Schwarzenegger sitting in a chair, like I just appreciate it more. Obviously, you know, it's not, it looks shitty, it looks it, like a Disney ride, yeah. you know, like the like but, it's yeah. a small world after all. <laughs> but yeah. in this, the arm when he cuts into his right arm. Uh, in the second one, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah and it's just all oh, the gears going, yeah, no, in the first one, too, like the gears, yeah. oh, right, like right, right, kind yeah. of you, you brought up Robocop. Yeah, I mean, it had like a RoboCop feel to it. We're, we're the first one. It's hard to not lose you a little bit is when he loses all the skin and you get the robot yeah. coming out. And that's like, this is now dated, you know? But like, um, it, I still love it. I love every every second of it. But And not to beat a dead horse, but I do love, I mean, Cameron does such a great job at not doing the same thing twice, which is hard for people to do nowadays with sequels. And you talk about the police station siege scene in the first one and how he kills everyone. And then you, you juxtapose that with the second Terminator where they're surrounded by all the police and he... It's just more espionage. And he, yeah. quote unquote, kills uh, all the police around him. Zero and point no, zero. no casualties. Oh, okay. So it's like a completely yeah, yeah. different... Yeah, it's like he's going after knee cops. Like, right. like yeah. John Wick's going after temples. <laughs> yeah. you know, like, like, poo, I don't, poo, I don't know what, why there's a percentage. So he gets him out of it this time. There, yeah, it's great. <laughs> a zero point zero. I don't know what a point one would have been like. You know, yeah. yeah, but also... Um, Robert Patrick coming in, he's got more of the espionage, yep. sneak his way in, as opposed to Arnold oh, just right, barrel right, right. his way yeah. through too. But so, I, wait, what, what? What are you choosing? Did I miss T2. It? T2. Yeah, yeah. T2. And I think you were, you you said the same in our in our always and forever Pack episode. <laughs> yes. uh, Joe, you haven't been on record for this one yet. No. So this is something I've kind of gone. I've always been T2, but I've always gone back and forth. I haven't watched these two movies together in a long time, so I watched them literally back. I've watched them both twice. The first time I did it both back and forth, and I love original Terminator, but I, I'm T two all the way. Yeah, I think wow. it's I think it's probably the best action movie that's ever been made, yeah. and I think 
to be completely honest, I love Michael Bean. I think the difference in Sarah Connor is what brings it up. Like, I don't... Listen, some of the effects are dated, but they're of the time and they exist, and I think they're fucking wonderful. Like, yeah. I don't... I don't say... A, I will not say a bad thing about the effects, because... They outkicked their coverage for 1984. They did fucking yeah. amazing. So that's no shade. Like it's can't expect them to do certain things. I did a Planet of the Apes episode on Cinemas last week, and I talked really highly about the makeup. Um, so I think it's it's the same thing. Like they did better than they could should have done at the time. I just think where Sarah Connor goes in T2 is so fantastic that I just have to go T2. It's it's so fun. To me, watching James Cameron work with a six million dollar budget—it's it's unbelievable. So, it's, it's great. It's like you know, it's like watching—I uh, don't know, like like Bill Belichick manage like the the Oakland A's, you know. <laughs> so, but he have, does stuff. You have the lowest budget that go, you know. He does things that are so smart in Sport Terminator One. There, to, yeah, to make things like just like camera cuts where things don't have to be, and just living in shitty LA like this world that sucks and would, he fucking crushes uh, it I would put it like a notch below T2 like, oh it's it's yeah. it's close it's just right now if somebody was like you have to watch one of these yeah. I'm probably nine times out of ten going T2 yeah. speed but then round I'm, but, speed. Go, go. but then I'm sending you the scene of T in T1 of when Arnold first sees her in the club that's my favorite scene in oh, that entire movie. Yeah. And everything's slow motion, yep. and he senses that he's past there, so he turns yep. around, and now the crowd's parting, and she's yeah. sitting down, and, and it's, it's just slow-mo. But her figuring out, because she sees Kyle Reese first, and then him come in, so she's just kind of in this like V of it, trying it's to figure out what's so what. Good. It's fantastic <laughs> filming. This wonderfully dated 80s power yes. track that will only ever be heard in context yes. of Terminator. Yes. Yes. It's there, oh, and I it's immortalized. It's called like Tech Cafe or something. It matter. It doesn't even matter. No, it's great. It. All right, speed round. Joe, alien or aliens? Alien. 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 Clean sweep here. Agreed. Godfather, Godfather 2. You're on record. Godfather already. 2. Godfather 2. 2. Wow, clean sweep on 2 also. <laughs> Look at this. Look at us. Okay. That's a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> There's no other controversial ones, is there? Um, uh, those are, these are the three Terminator, Alien, and, and Godfather. Those are the three that separate. Oh, the sequels. Are, huh? Like any of the Lord of the Rings? Or is, like, is that? Mm. No. No. We'll, we have, we'll do that another day. We'll have, we'll have our day in there. But the, those are the, so you guys are all, you guys are all T2, G2, Alien people. Mm. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a Terminator, Godfather 2, Alien person. So there we go. That's that's how it's our Myers Briggs for for, uh, for, so, for for filmography. While we're kind of here, does everybody know Bill Paxton's claim to fame with all these movies? It's no. not first performance no. in Aliens. <laughs> the <laughs> only we were having our group chat yeah. was going off on that today. It was very funny. I, you get described it as unwell. That's and he, it was right. Yeah. He's the only person to be killed by a Terminator, a Predator, and an Alien. Wow. wow. <laughs> what, what? He's in Predator Two, and he's in oh, True he's Lies. In Predator Two. God, talk about a bad movie. Danny Glover. Too. Danny Glover. Yeah. Predator 2 is something, but uh, he's like a cocky detective and he dies in a great way. Oh, wow. Yeah, I got I got to I, I got to shout out with our conversation with with Paxton cuz that Paxton was, performance is bizarre. It's and, bad. Yeah. And, and, you guys were and, right. <laughs> Artie's like it's like a Hallmark movie I'm like dude, that's giving it way too much credit. It's like it is it is like you found a drunken high person <laughs> and said, "Pretend you're being attacked by aliens." And did it in one take, and that's that's what Bill Paxton yeah, did. Yeah, it was yeah, awful. Yeah, for for a, a wonderfully accomplished actor, a little great, a little surprising. Uh, let's talk at the end and, and the showdown at the end with uh, Sarah Connor and and Sarah Connor 
against yourself. So I kind of the freezing, the melting, everything. Get it all out in the end here. I love that after he's fighting with Arnold, the T one thousand glitches a little bit, so he doesn't. He tries to get Sarah Connor to to call for John because he, for whatever reason, the he's still kind of fucked up from the uh, the. Is that what it is? Okay, they like glitch. They like glitch him a little bit. So when he turns, so when Arnold's arm comes off, when the T one thousand turns around, he like glitches. So in my mind that he's still fucked up from the nitroglycerin. So that's why that's he why makes he's that. That's why he's getting her to call. Okay, so, so you answered him an early nitpick so, for me. So, okay. you know, it does, that scene, that whole fight, at, I am, no matter how many times I see this movie, I'm on the edge of my seat. I agree. I, it's, there's something about the scene where I never quite remember how it ends. Just because It's a lot of movies. You know part? what it is, 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 is that the T-1000... Takes such a licking and keeps on kicking yeah. throughout the whole movie that it's like you're never quite sure what it is that actually gets him. And then like he freezes and they shatter him. Like, of course, that's how you have oh, to so get So what him. a fucking scene. And then yeah. he's back. But like, then they're standing. Another, another thing he could do. Yeah. And how long are they standing there as he's like morphing together? It's yeah. like, get the fuck out of there. Start picking up his piece and throwing him across the room. Second yeah. best nitroglycerin <laughs> explosion scene in movie history. Oh, uh, what, what are Mighty Ducks 3, the prank. And there's um, an episode of the X-Files death that way, too. But. but that whole thing, like, it's such a smart location because it's just visually where yeah, you want I mean, the Terminator fight to best. be. Yeah. It's unbelievable. You know, in the in the second one, she lowers... It's the second time she's killed Arnold by by pressing that lowering yep. button, right? In the first one, she does it by, by crushing the, yeah, cool. the... At that point, the robot with the little button that she presses. Right. In the second one, she does it, you know... Because he tells her to do it, so I she thought that was is, such a great, uh, you know, throwback. She is the Terminator? Yeah. Yeah. The 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 scene with him and John when John Connor's telling, like, I order you not to. Yeah. Man, I will hear a lot of Edward Furlong bashing. I will not hear it in that scene. I think he is top notch. Yeah. The end, and, I, and now I I now know now why, I know why you, you cry. cry. Oh, oh man, it's something I can never do. <laughs> so fucking it's so good. good. That John Connor. Steve, the final show down there. Thoughts? I just love it all. Um, I guess a nitpick for me would be... All right, Artie. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's been since Twins, so we got to... <laughs> and the Twins nitpick zone, I think, took a lot out of everybody. That was, all, that was the whole um, thing. thought it was amazing, and, you know, I want to, like, tattoo of like the thumbs up with the chain oh my god <laughs> that's it's, a good tattoo like Amazing. I'm like want to like right on my leg like oh, that's and then watching that actually be a fantastic tattoo yeah just like the, the thumbs up yep. with the chain coming with down the fire up. with the fire oh, coming up like Amazing. I don't so know good. the whole thing was was, was perfect I mean this yeah this idea that um, Arnold wants to kill everyone the term you know his character wants to kill everyone john's telling him not to kill everyone and then he ends up self-sacrificing himself is so brilliant yeah, to yeah. Me. and i did read i don't know if this is true or not maybe you guys can confirm this um that arnold ad-libbed and came up with the line i cannot self-terminate you must lower me down into the steel yeah. they were just supposed to just have him go but then they you know they thought he thought that the audience wouldn't understand like why can't like why does she have to do it? Why can't right. he just yeah. lower himself down? Fucking so that's pretty genius yeah. for, by him. And, yeah. and not like a you know, he's not known to be like a, a 
Daniel Day Lewis, right. you know, yeah. like an ad lib. Yeah, like yeah. That's that's pretty great stuff. I but can't it seems self terminate. It seems like he has a good mind for cinema, yeah, and just him yeah. saying like well, that's something a producer would say. Like he's he's no piece he of meat it. out there. Right. Like, yeah, he's he knows he, he knows it. iconic cinema. Did, did have you guys ever, any of you watched The Good Place? No. No. Okay, it's a great show, but there, there's in in The Good Place there's this one piece, this Janet. She's like a robot type thing. And all the way out in the world, there's this button. And if you hit it, it kills her. And she can't hit it. So at some point, she needs to die for the story. And but someone else has to kill it like this. But her like defense mechanism is when it she, when she'll tell somebody to go hit it. When they go hit it, she's like, no, no, stop, stop, please, no, don't kill me. And it's her like defense mechanism, but somebody has to. So like when Arnold's going down the thing, I just kind of kept waiting for him to be like, wait, no. I love the term terminated. Um, there's one part in the T2 where... John says something like, oh, he could, he died, and Arnold corrects him. He's like, no, he's terminated, because yeah. <laughs> robots can't die. They ha- they're terminated, and right. they like stick to that. I think it's yeah. great. Mm. It's the rules. They yeah. stick to the rules. Stick to the rules. It's Sucks. it's just the end scene is so good, and the whole cybernet, and then into the helicopter. Like The fact that you, there's no lag where you f- feel the lag is right. really impressive filmmaking. And I don't feel action-fatigued. You know, no. like I would. So, and that's the segmenting of the levels yep. of this, like well, a video game. It's yep. like you get to the next level and you just move on. <sighs> that's the word I've been looking for this week. I, I saw John Wick 4, loved it, but I felt action fatigue. You're a bit fatigued, and I huh? didn't understand what I felt, and you just, that's why I'm bringing this up. And I know this is totally off beat, I guess, but a lot of action movies today compared to then, it's just like action fatigue. It's like, right. even the. You know, somebody that I, that I was with was like, "I have a headache from this movie." <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Um, no, that's true. It's like, yeah, it's an action fatigue. That's and this why, movie is like, psh, like right. Well, that's why, like in this movie, I will ag- agree that the whole, you know, when they go south and they're in the desert scene, it's like you could probably cut that and take twenty minutes off the film. But it's this downtime that you need because the because yeah. you're not going to take a break. That's come that's come the, the next that's 30, 30, that's the 40 old minutes. Bring the crowd down <laughs> yeah. so you can bring them back up. You right. can't have them do high spots for the whole Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, I agree with that scene, but it's so necessary. Right. Yeah. Um, um, d- deeper themes in this one. I got to throw out there the daddy issues. Theme. Oh yeah. I don't know what James Cameron's father life was like, but I got to imagine wasn't great. Like, yeah. I mean, this is like the Ed- Edward Furlong daddy issues are. They run deep. I mean, he's, like, he's the father at points. My dad hasn't been born yet. It messes with your head, man. <laughs> but he even makes a comment about like, you know, Sarah and his dad only knowing each other for a few hours. Like it's, I it's, guess they it's, loved each other, but it's like, you know, I won't meet my dad for another 40 years. Like, and then he kind of develops this father son relationship yeah. with Arnold. And we get that, the voice of, there is a little voiceover in this. I guess we'll talk about that next, but um, it, there is this father son and he has to let go of Arnold, which has become his father figure, in order to essentially never meet his actual father, right. which is yeah. fucking wild. Like it's, it's like, unbelievable. It's, it's like he has to come to grips with the fact that he's not going to ever know his dad, and that doesn't take away from who he is as a person. It's like some pretty deep running mm. shit there with that. Oh, this is there's nothing shallow about this movie. This movie goes as deep as you want to get into yeah. it. It's very impressive. Yeah, almost to the point where, you know, especially if you've been watching action films nowadays, you go back and watch T2, you're like, "Mm, do we need her to keep talking about all this stuff? But then you're like, oh, this is what we call a backstory and emotions and character development. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the voiceover end of it, and I, I, 
Listen, if someone's going to pick on it, uh, I get it. I, I don't like the voiceover in it. You don't. Okay, no, so he gets it. I, I actually think it's done for the most part. Not not at, not at, a, not at an A rating. You know, maybe like a B plus, B minus. But I think it's done pretty poetically. And, and you need, because you need to... You need to justify her inner monologue to be able to get that epic dream sequence. You know, you can't you can't just live in her head that moment. Sure. Like if, if right. she just has a dream and has that, like okay, that's fine. But in order for it to work, you have to intertwine the movie with her inner thoughts. And this whole movie does live in her head because she's been stewing as the only person in the universe who knows. She's the sure. only one, and right. she can convince her son the best she can. But until the people come back, you know, until Arnold and, and Robert Patrick come back, she's alone in the universe with her thoughts. Right. So that's where I can justify the VO there. And he even says that John Connor, when he realizes it's all real, oh, he says like, man, I let her down. I didn't even believe her, but right. it is real, you know. It's his insight in that is very impressive. Yeah. I don't, I get what you're saying and you're probably right. It's just, it doesn't come consistently it's enough. It's not executed perfectly. And I would agree with because that. Because I really like it in the beginning, in the first scene. I think it's great. In Mexico, I'm literally writing notes like, "Please stop this." With the high fiving, <laughs> like I hate it. I hate it. And then because, and I, I get it, it's a pay, it's 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 the payback. You know, it's the back to the in the original when she's in the jeep. Like I understand, right, right, right. But in the Mexico stuff, I fucking hate it. In the end, I get it better at the end, but they don't show us anything, which is fine. But I just, I just don't think it works. Where in the opening scene, it's so effective. Where and listen. I don't like it, but I guess I'm asking for for a little bit more because I think the inconsistency is my issue with it. Steve, what do you think about the voiceover? I'm gonna agree with Joey on it because just because I didn't love the the Mexico scene, mm-hmm. but it was necessary. So yeah. you know, I'm not hating on it. Like right. oh, I I think that's where it takes it down just like a, a touch. But what do you do there? Yeah, and I'm gonna just keep going. I'm gonna yeah. I think the Mexico scene is necessary for two reasons, or the desert scene. I don't even know—is it actually Mexico, or we don't? I don't know. She talks about crossing the border at night. It's, oh, okay. it's on so the border. Yeah. So, it, it, for two reasons, one is Jay's that you do need to bring the crowd down because if you're gonna if you're gonna have the big moment and have another bigger moment, sure, you do have to bring the crowd oh, yeah. down a little bit. The other is is you need these people existing with each other mm-hmm. in downtime. You need the emotionality, yeah. and and otherwise, it's just an action movie. And if you want this to be a story about people and have those inner work working themes and and do what the first one does so well and getting the the passion and the and the heart of it, I think it is necessary. And you know, I, I, I said in the first one, uh, my discussion of the first one, one of my favorite scenes in film history and one of my favorite shots. And again, not best, but favorite, is the final scene of her learning the language she's alone she just lost michael bean um she gets the picture taken of her which kind of comes full circle which is so amazing and then she rides off into the storm and you get that 40 and it's a great shot yeah the horizon but it is is, but you know and it is clearly like a like a painting you know but but that's a lot of john john ford movies were that too which i see that as cameron paying homage there and i just love it it ends in steve you're like that's just a cheesy shot yeah but no but afterwards yeah yeah. afterwards (laughs) film history i I get what you're i I see it you know like compared to the whole movie all of a sudden it's like a painting and i'm like what's that you know like I guess I thought it could have looked like a real landscape. Yeah, right. yeah. But 
And now it's artistic. Yeah. Especially yeah. once she knows she's going to Nicaragua yeah. where yeah. she's going to date a Green Beret and run yeah. guns and steal credit cards. Tight budget, too. Tight budget. He make that, up for an avatar, avatar yeah. where he builds an entire universe, yeah, planet, right. world. Yeah. But right. in retrospect, I would go back to that any day <laughs> over fucking Avatar. You know? Like I, would, I would drive that road any day. Yeah. The other thing about the voiceover is her voice sounds so good. I just oh, love just she's just very quiet she and does. like has this great mm. way of delivering that voiceover. I agree she's good at voiceover. Right. Yes. G- gotta ask. Final shot. T two. The the road running and the VO over it. Did you guys read about what it was supposed to be or what they what they nixed? Was gonna be her as an elderly woman oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. John playing yeah. with his son on the playground. Oh the alternate ending. Okay. The alternate ending. Oh yeah. no, yeah. no, no, no. Ugh. Um boy. That, I mean, listen, we're not going to talk about the sequels because to me, this is... This is it. It's two movies. Right. This is it. Everything else you can throw in the trash. So maybe that, like that Godfather 3 type of ending with, you know, him and the rocking chair, um, like maybe that at least puts a cap on it and you people can ignore the other stuff. And I guess he left it open for all these sequels and all the whatnot. But I don't think a movie like this needs a where are they now. No, you that would have been... Yeah. Br- I love the road, that, that turning row where it's just like... The fate is undetermined. That was a major yeah. theme in this movie. Yeah. The future, yes, the future is acting upon us, but we decide our future. Not I, the future doesn't decide. I us. love I also, that. Yeah. I also need to feel like they're running, like they just committed every felony on earth that they have to eat. <laughs> like I need, I, I can't have them having like a white yeah, picket fence right can't away. Become like a mayor, which right. I think it like, was in the alternate. Yeah, like I need like the idea of them running. Like I saw the road, it just felt like. You know, fate kind of building itself as they figure it out while they're getting the fuck out of Dodge because they just murdered people leaving a psych ward. You can't just fucking be like, high five, everything's great now, cops. Well, they'll all believe us. Right, yeah. They believed me last time. (laughs) Oh, before you get to the nitpicks, um, did you guys read and see who was was supposed to be T-1000? Michael Bean. Other than that. Oh, no, no, no. I saw the Michael Bean one. Billy Idol. Oh. And he got in a motorcycle accident. Thank God. Ooh. He got in a motor, motorcycle accident. Talk about um, the future and fate getting in the way. Like imagine, <laughs> imagine Billy Idol as T one thousand. You're not allowed to be in a Terminator movie if you're getting a motorcycle accident. So we need, we need <laughs> motor, you, every you have, single main yeah. character drives a motorcycle. And they're not just. wearing a helmet. Well, yeah, no. Arnold isn't. Uh, from Eddie Furlong to Linda Hamilton yeah. to Robert Patrick to Arnold. They all but yeah, I read that and I had to like. Google a little bit to make sure that was true, wow. but yeah, he was like highly considered. Wow. Robert He's, Patrick, I I love the idea of putting Michael Bean in here, but Robert Patrick is yeah, so scary, and it's crazy that he ended up owning a camp store. Oh no, wait, that's Sopranos. <laughs> <laughs> well, Billy Idol's absolutely wonderful in the Wedding Singer. So Great, fantastic, my favorite scene. One of my favorite scenes in the Wedding Singer. I love that. I love it. <laughs> Let's live his his film career. Yeah. Great. I think it's time to, to chug right along here. Let, let our winding road go. And can we head? We've been, we've been teasing to get there the whole time, but I think it's time. We head to the nitpick zone. nitpick zone now i gotta be i gotta be honest as much as i love this movie i am gonna be pretty ruthless here in the nitpick zone i have a whole bunch of stuff. i have a lot more in, than i thought and including i don't including even... one 
huge one, which I'm gonna get ripped apart for, and I'm gonna I'm gonna face the ire of not just you guys, but the the greater uh, BPC community for. But I am so locked in on this nitpick. I think it's one of the most egregious nitpicks we've discussed in any of the films that we've done this Okay. Week. So and I'm locked in it. I don't think anyone else will have it. But um, this two- seems like a Kieran B nitpick. Nice. So, Joe, I'm going to let you go first. So. All right. So, I have two big ones. I'm going I'm to go there first. So, Arnold self-sacrifices himself, which is amazing. But his arm was trapped into gear. They did not throw that arm under the... That when it gets his arm gets ripped off, they do not take that arm out of the gear and throw it in the fire. So it's still fucking there. They still made the same mistake from T1. I thought that oh, arm was the one that they got from Dyson, no? No, when his when he's fighting, when it, before he gets rebooted... Does, when, the, does it not submerge? No, because it's earlier in the fight, before he gets rebooted, before he, like, whatever, when his arm gets ripped off and he, when he's walking around with one arm, oh. it gets trapped under the thing. You're right. And they don't go back and throw it in. They throw the original T1, so there's still an arm lingering about well, in this maybe world. James Cameron was just leaving that there for a third. Dun, 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 dun. But I think that was I think that was just a miss. Did any do, do, does no one no one has experience with any of the sequels, right? Did they go back and visit that? Maybe I've never seen any. If if you're listening out there and you I, know that they readdress that, come and I, know, let us know. I wouldn't allow myself. I've to go seen them. I just forgot about them. And I actually wrote. I know you don't want to talk about them, but. I just questioned maybe the reason these sequels didn't work so well was because they move more away from the Terminator and more toward like the war between the humans and the. Is that what they are? Which, yeah, which more about John Connor and more about Kyle Reese and the war between humans uh, and the robots. Which I hate to say, guys, is the most in- uninteresting <laughs> part of this movie to me. Like I, I know that you guys well, love the like opening Cameron, scene and yeah. that stuff, but like T one, which is on my top ten favorite movies of all time. All the futuristic stuff is the stuff where I'm like, get me back to the city. Like, I want, I want to see what's going on in the city. But, um, nitpicks, Jay, do you have any nitpicks uh, sliding in there? Uh, just because we were talking about it, um, her romanticizing when they go down south, romanticizing about the T, uh, the Terminator being a better father to him than anything else. <laughs> Like he'll never hit him or tell him whatever, and it's just like, uh, like I almost feel like she's really wanting a father figure yeah. for him, you know. And you get it, but it's just, and it's it's seems, out of nowhere for me a little bit. It also seems like she, you met a couple nice guys, and you were like a gun runner, and kept talking about the future, yeah, nuclear explosions. Right. Like, how about let's be you a good were, mom, right? Too, she right? becomes very poetic, <laughs> right, and then goes back to like, okay, let's go kill Dyson, and that's why the voiceover doesn't work. He's like, it's just inconsistent with what we're seeing. The other, the other line, and and this movie is full of one-liners, and Arnold is the king of one-liners. Um, I know what you're gonna say. The, uh, at the end, <laughs> when he gets up and he's like all shot right before he kills himself, John goes, "Holy shit!" And Arnold says, "I need a vacation." Oh my right, God! The, the cop. Terrible. Where the fuck did this guy learn this line from? <laughs> he watched. Terrible. He watched Kindergarten Cop one night in a hotel. Yeah, yeah. right. Like what? He, Terminators know what vacations are? Right, now. right, right. <laughs> okay, let's talk about what Terminators don't know about. And this is tears. We have this, this is a big section of, of this movie. And, quoting Arnold himself, he has yeah. detailed files on human anatomy. Mm-hmm. And none of those detailed <laughs> files include tear ducts? What's wrong like, with your... <laughs> what, what's, mean, like, what's wrong with your eyes? Yeah, at least he might know what, what, what is... Physically happening right. here. You, I get emotionally you don't, connect, you don't yeah. get the emotions, but you, you have detailed files on human anatomy. Right. You know right. what a tear duct is. Exactly. Right. It reminds me of Seinfeld. What is this? Salty discharge. Steve, did you have any nitpicks to throw out there? Yeah. Uh, number one is just not enough Budnick. 
uh, needed, <laughs> needed. I have a, I have a fever. <laughs> you got a butt neck fever. More butt neck. Uh, um, <laughs> No, but uh, a true nitpick for me is um, them escaping directly into the steel mill is just too convenient for me. But Cameron-esque. That's how it goes, you know. I mean, the movie becomes longer and things change. But in just in the first one, they stumble into that, like, factory where she can crush him in that, you know, whatever that thing is called, um, conveyor belt. Yeah. Steve, you had one of my nitpicks you called out earlier, and I think we've already kind of fought over it, but um, You Could Be Mine by Guns N' Roses is, <sighs> is just under six minutes long. And this is, what kind of commute is this? And no, this is not, we're not living in, in Spotify where you can keep replaying the song. This is a cassette tape. You have to stop so, it and rewind. Right. Now, it could it, now, is it a, now, I did have, like, when I was younger, I did have a couple single cassette tapes where you yeah. just bought the single. Yep. And you probably could buy it for, this is on the T2 soundtrack, you probably could buy it for that. But are they, like, stopping the bike, rewinding it, turning the tape over, and just, it's playing over and over again? Yeah. Did they create a mixtape of just well, the one song? I mean, this fans. song just keeps playing. It comes I, down to marketing. Yeah. They, I mean, well, I, are, right. Well, <laughs> in, the, in the world. In of, the world. That this is a, yeah. But the, this is a diagenic choice right. where the characters are hearing the song. I, I just love the idea of Bobby Budnick carrying around a boombox with one bad song. I love when he pumps it, yeah. too. He's like, yeah. So 90s. But I love, I love how I had this nitpick ready, and, and Steve was like, well, I listened to it on work on repeat. And I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I guess, I guess it does check out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, me too. It's easy to repeat stuff today than it was then. Right. You know. Yeah. You just hit the repeat button. Yeah. Uh, but it could just be going. Yeah. You can be my <laughs> So we're in Cyberdyne, and the cops, they, you know, and the security turns off the swipe system. The cops storm it, but they don't shut down the elevators. Is that a thing? Just like oh, yeah. elevators shut down. If yeah, like fire alarm goes off, elevators yeah, are like done. Negotiator, the movie. Yeah, everything shut, shut down. You shut it down. Yeah, yeah sure. The cops are jabronis in this movie. Trish. Yeah. <laughs> Jay, do you have one? I liked your negotiator yes. the reference. Oh, yes. You want my blood? You want my blood? Take my blood! <laughs> um, underrated Spacey. I know we're not allowed to say that anymore, but I it's underrated to, Spacey. I, so, one of the things, I, I love me a good self surgery scene. Oh, love yeah. it. We get it in both Terminator 1 and Terminator 2, Roadhouse, The Martian. Well, just yeah. gr- great stuff. So there's emphasis on the fact that these wounds cost something. Mm-hmm. Show him your arm. And he rips the skin off to show Miles Dyson yeah. his arm. like From the elbow up. When are we stitching this back on, pal? Like what? Like and He throws on the glove, though. Oh, so he keeps it oh. off and throws it Oh, on yeah, the he just puts a glove he on. on a oh, glove. He just yeah. put his hands back. Because yeah, yeah. okay, I said the go. same but thing, the thing. and I saw the glove. But hey. just cut a finger off. The Don't nitpick? cut from the elbow down. It's cool. Well, yeah, but well, the emphasis. No, well, because, be, because he's got that skeleton hidden away. Fair. Okay, fair, fair, fair. The nitpick zone is like a, it's a UFC cage. You know, you can't just throw punches. You have to be able to take punches, too. 100%. I'll take it back. I'll take it back. All right. So the the first chase, which is amazing... But if you jumped a fat boy motorcycle like that, you're breaking your back and the bike is... Okay, we're, we're on this because this had to be mentioned. Not if it's in slow-mo, you don't. Oh, no. You, you would literally if, break your back. If a Mack truck touched the wheel... Oh, you would flip little, over and... yeah. It, it's a fucking excite bike. Right. Like, let's give... It's, it's going to just completely get... Oh, it would have flipped over and they... Or just, you, just consumed. Yeah. Also, we've established that Robert Patrick can run... <laughs> 
as fast as this thing. But a Mack truck can't go as fast. Like, he would just run him over. Run over. John Connor dead. World ends. Movie over. Boom. Done. Right there. Robots win. Yeah. yeah, but a like, Mack truck does not every, get into a chase every with a, time an he does the, bike. Every time he does that jump, I'm like, man, you're a real person does that. You're six inches shorter after that. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I love that bike, though. It's uh, me, too. No, it's great. But it's not meant for jumping 30 no. feet into a river. It's meant for cruising with yeah. leather Listen, jacket and shades. Exactly. Why, why does the cop outfit become mm. part of his identity? Is it because it's the first? It's the first one. But it's like every time he like disassembles and goes back, like... Couldn't he just merge into anybody? He could merge into fucking anyone, anyone he touches. He saw. Anyone anyone he touches. But like he the average, the average person though, like, is not going to question a cop strutting right. around. Right. So he has to. At the end, when he's frozen, breaks and regenerates. Like, yeah. I guess that he's just at this point. He's that's the first thing. He's yeah, I guess he's just. Yeah. He could be ass naked at that point. He could be he's anything. Just, like, rolling around, but it has to know? be someone he touches to create. So yeah. I guess that just becomes his standard. Okay, so I, w- I want to merge this into my next one because I know you're not going to like this one because you talked about how, how cool it was and it is cool. But we establish the rules here. He can't turn into like a cigarette thing because it's a smaller object than him. The floor is not an object. What? How is he able to turn into like a camouflaged puddle? That's well, not like what, what. You know why? It was. Uh, it was basically predicting the future with Alex Mack. <laughs> I always I have thought of Alex Mack while watching wow. this film. The, um, Talk about finishing loss. in second place at 10 Things I Hate About You there, Joe. <laughs> I know. I know. Shout out one to Peterson Hill. Yeah, one fucking vote. Um, it's still the same size. It's just laid out. But like it pays off when we see him turn into the liquid in the heat yeah. after he blows up. And, and they try to cover this when Arnold is expositioning how he can turn into replicate things and if he taught you know if i guess because the cop walks over it he can become it and that's who's able to become the security guard but i get you it's It's a stretch pushing it and the shape shifting i I didn't know if i wanted to really fully go here today it's cool it's awesome the guy with the lucky cup is amazing like that seems so memorable (laughs) it's my lucky day day. (laughs) the whole like uh like the Pointing, you know, that's amazing. Shape shifting, I just feel like it's a little bit of a frustrating science fiction trope for me. You can just do anything if you like. It's to me, if you could shape shift, then why wouldn't he have shape shifted so much more? He could have gotten to John Connor so easily, shape shift into Arnold, and then be like, oh, and then oh, and then kill him. You know, like it was out of a lazy storytelling. Shape shifting is a touchy, touchy subject. I do love his blade arms. The blade through oh, the amazing. milk through the amazing. milk carton is, is fucking oh, sh- oh, jarring Steve, when you, you see that, fucking like, talk about it. A fucking amazing shot yeah. and know? they just linger at it like a yeah. second longer than you expect it's so good and she like brings okay. it back it's, in yeah. great and again as a kid watching that you love that Steve <laughs> you're like damn that's, I like a, I like someone who could take control like that should be drinking out of that milk carton that dude yeah. come on Correct. bad idea <laughs> fucking Todd bad idea Todd she's not my mom Todd <laughs> <laughs> oh. alright any uh, Joey you got one yeah so Dr. Silberman met Kyle Reese. He met Sarah Connor pre-Kyle Reese. Yeah, this is huge. I love what he does in this movie, but it doesn't fully make sense after everything he knows from the first movie of meeting Kyle Reese, making fun of Kyle Reese with the other cops, meeting Sarah Connor before and being the one to tell Sarah Connor that Kyle Reese is crazy and walking out, seeing Arnold as he walks out while Arnold then shoots up the police department. It Either he's completely just neglectful or a dick. Or completely... Incompetent. Um, well, or no, how about just being a complete egomaniac who just can't get over So Let's think of the nurse ratchet of it all. It's like the the asylum is never right. They're never right. They're all part of my system. I'm the genius. I'm the one 
who's in control here. And yeah, okay, that shit that happened in 1984 is pretty weird, but I'm sure it can be explained. And there was a, the guy's still on the run, and no, we're going to find him. Like, I, I, the guy is such an egomaniac. Yeah, and he's great in this, but it's just seeing the two back and forth was very jarring where I was like, ah, just it doesn't make sense. There is a there's a cognitive disconnect that that with within him that like hurts my head. How cool is the drain out of the neck? It's fucking like, awesome. Um, the syringe it's to the like gun to the head. Awesome. It's just so creative. Yeah. Great. All right, the T1000 and T800 melt in this metal that's going to be forged. It gets Got forged. It. Say it gets forged into steel mill, whatever. Is there going to be parts of these things that could shapeshift? Because the metal's still alive. Well, I, I, the metal's still—it's not alive, but the metal's I still there. I think what they got, what I got out of it was, is that that dissolved. It's just fully it. destroyed. It's defective now. Yeah. It's okay, that's now. fair. I figured it was a stretch. I was just thinking about it. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, so out. I can get my left, my final uh, one. Here. You got one more? Yeah, my. La- I kind of brought up my last one. Okay. It's not good. Okay, this is my big one here, and you know, I'm. For, for all the Grand Sonardis at home who are going to get upset with me here, I, I can't get past this one. I'm sorry. Terminator 1. Michael Bean and Linda Hamilton together. She wants to know about her son. And then she stops. She goes, maybe don't tell me. It might. I, I, I don't want to know. I don't want to mess it. He tells her one thing about her son. One thing. It's in the script. The only thing he tells her about his son. Do you guys know what it is? The only thing Michael Bean tells Linda Hamilton about her son, mm. Sarah Connor, about John Connor. I don't remember. It's, he has your eyes. He has your eyes. Linda Hamilton has these big, bright, blue eyes. That's the one feature that the screenplay in Terminator 1 decided to highlight about John Connor. How do you cast someone with brown eyes? It's not acceptable. It's not acceptable. It's a major flaw in this entire franchise. Edward Furlong clearly does not have bright blue eyes. He has, he has brown eyes. It's a miscast. It's a miscast based on the source material. I'm sorry, guys. Well. I'm into this. I'm sorry. You know, I don't really care. But. <laughs> that's kind of where I'm yeah. at, too. I'm yeah. like, all right, that's fine. You sound very you passionate. Do. You do I, make I, a good point. But. I mean, it's, it's, a good point. it's a flaw in the storytelling. Mm. It's the one thing he tells her about it. I know I know. Grant and Artie are both rolling their eyes at all. Oh, you're going to get so many fucking... Yeah, that's okay. Hey, listen. I care about I care about this franchise, and that's a miss. That's a misfire in my eyes. In my eyes. <sighs> yeah, that's it. You're, you're not wrong, but I would... I like Edward Furlong so much here, I don't... He does, real real quick on this one, Edward Furlong, we got American History X, American Pet Cemetery 2, is that... Detroit kind of Rock City. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Someone told me I looked like one of the guys in that... Uh, <laughs> nice. You know, the guy with the squinty eyes? Um, probably. Um, Sam Huntington? I think Paul Dano is maybe in Paul that. Paul Dano? Yeah. Sam he Huntington is in, is, is, in that, is in that, too. But time for the awards, boys. The BPC Awards. Here we go. MVP. Of Terminator 2. Oh. MVP, the champ. Steve, go with you. Linda Hamilton. <clears throat> Linda yeah. Hamilton. She's my MVP. Um, Jay hit on the head earlier, talking about her as a waitress, damsel in distress, on your feet soldier, and then bursts into the second movie, chin-ups in the cell. Uh, good morning, Dr. Silverman. How's the knee? All right, this woman's a badass. Um and then becomes the Terminator when I talked about earlier like all in black like going to kill somebody for something he didn't even do yet 
the line she delivered, my favorite quote is one of her quotes. You think you're safe. It was right after the sunblock uh, <laughs> reference. You think you're safe, alive. You're already dead. Him, you, everybody. You're dead. Everything you see is going to die. You're the one living in a fucking dream, Silverman. Love so it. Amazing. All right. Yes. Great to have within strikes first on the, on the MVP. Yeah. Joey Yard. Arnold. I was I was between Arnold and Linda Hamilton. I was between the two of them. I think everything you said, but uh, Arnold. When my mind, when I think Terminator, I go right to Arnold. Yeah, Arnold is uh, fantastic. It's not a bad choice. Jay, I'm going to let you be the tiebreaker here because I'm going on a third party here. I'm going James Cameron for, oh, for nice. my MVP. Uh, this is the lead into Titanic. Um, it's just, to me, is just such a vision. It's such a maniacal... <laughs> project for him to take his six million dollar movie and turn it into i mean let's call what it is the the highest grossing rated r movie of all time just uh absolutely incredible it's 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 a movie for everybody the young the old the crazy the sane it's It's just it's it's awesome and it's all james cameron's product there so uh jay your mvp so i'm glad you guys didn't pick mine but it, i mean there were so wow. many of them i could i went with i could have went with arnold i could have went with sarah connor it, was pretty much my MVP until Steve said it, so now I'm switching it. Okay. I could have went with Dyson. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, hell who, yeah. But I'm going to go with the stuntmen on this oh, film. Oh, yeah, I love that. MVPs yeah. and you, love it. And we kind of talked about it before, about the chases. These chase scenes and flying helicopters and, and trucks under bridges and motorcycles, they don't happen without good stuntmen, so I have mm. to, to go with these stuntmen doing some incredible stuff. Imagine hanging around the set. Oh, yeah. just like Probably just sitting there, yeah. you know, drinking a coffee and just watching. The- <laughs> what the fuck like, are we going to do today? There's people alive today that obviously <laughs> that were standing yeah. there. It's right. amazing. Like, so like this, like whoever, just some intern, fucking just standing there watching Arnold, and ah, uh, I can't imagine what it'd be like to be on that set. Oh man, I, I just have to tell you because I heard this today, and it was just I just got such a kick out of it. Um, Eli Roth was talking about being on a movie set and comparing it to. Uh, to summer sleepaway camp and it's like you're with all these people like you're you can't go anywhere you're with them you'll like it or not people this are is, hooking up this is your family here we're going to be here for months you're there together you have some fun times you have to fight with each other you laugh with each other can't go home we're here we have these activities that we have to do we don't really want to do them sometimes we do them sometimes they're really fun sometimes they're really laborious but you know at the end of the day you're 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 That's laughing awesome. you're having fun you get to the end of it and you just like you love each other, and you have to say goodbye. You don't want to say goodbye, but you're like, "Hey, we're all gonna be best friends. Don't worry about it. We'll be and stay in touch. We'll do our thing." And then you all go home, and you don't see anybody ever again until the next one. And you come right. back, and you're all together again, and it's like you never left. Like, and I'm like, "That's just that's perfect. amazing. That's I love amazing. that." A four way split there in MVP. I love that's that. Great. We covered all the grounds. LVP, uh, Joey. Maybe I'll go you first. You love your LVPs. Who you? This is a hard one. This is really not... It's very hard. Very, very, this is very, very strong hard. crew. Here. Yeah. Everybody did great, but I went with Steve's girlfriend, um, Janelle. <laughs> the Janelle. foster mom. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's... A wolfie's just fine, dear. Wolfie's just fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really did not like her at all. The pounds are dead. <laughs> yeah. I was, that, that, that's, that's probably good, why I laughed so hard. I was so fucking happy. based on how... Hard it was. My LVP, I, Joey. You know that I kind of <laughs> wish it was an answer like that because it's to me it's an easy. I'm. Tr- I was trying to keep it major actor mm. in the movie. 
Um, I was gonna pick the the dude at the um, in the desert. That's like her buddy. Yeah, he yep. pissed me off. I didn't yeah. think he was great. But we I didn't gonna, really get a lot of development. I was gonna go main. Like if I had to get rid of a main character, or just not get rid of. Say all right, this is the LVP. It's Furlong. Um, mm. And although I agree with everything, the weakest out of the main, out of the main yeah. ones, because he's a kid and he's not, a, he wasn't an actor at the time. Um, but I just didn't like that kid growing up, so I'm like, he's my LVP. Like I, yeah. I had a kid like that that I went to school with that was just like a jerk off to everybody, and yeah. Um, so he was my LVP strictly because he plays such a '90s asshole so well. Right. But also when looking at the whole starting lineup of this cast, to me he's the weakest one, but. For obvious reasons, age, yeah. acting experience, yeah, whatever. That's fair. Principal characters too. I mean, he's, yeah. he's running with some heavy hitters. Here, yeah, so. this is a tough movie for like a actor LVP. So, oh my god, Jay, what'd you end up with? So this is easy if you cop out like I did. Okay, and you go, and your LVP is the guy who licked Sarah Connor's <laughs> face. <laughs> yes, honestly, <laughs> I knew someone was gonna do it. Listen, I thought it might be Joey, but I, I listen, love that. that guy's there awesome. are knew several someone. several reasons why you shouldn't be licking people's faces. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and this guy has touched on all of them, so he He's is my the LVP. True LVP <laughs> yeah. of the movie, and right. he, but he gets his comeuppance. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right, right. It's like one of the trailer park boys. Oh know? yeah, or, or like he actually kind of looks like the uh, the dad in Stranger Things, <laughs> Mister <laughs> Mister uh, Wheeler. All right, so yeah. my LVP here is, and because I, one of the things I loved about the first movie, we talked about the siege of the police station, and I loved that you had like the the stressed out black sergeant and like his loyal like his loyal like uh, assistant, and they were like in on it, just, and then they just like they kind of unceremoniously just get fucking mowed down despite the movie really establishing them as principal entities i thought i thought the 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 entity of the cops in t2 was just weak i thought they were just kind of like good cops they were just kind of patsies um we we're told we need to avoid the authorities but we're not really shown that we Mm. need to Mm. avoid the authorities so i needed i needed a little more balls on the lapd in in this one so the entity of the, the police officers in T2 is my mm. opinion. I would say I lost this round. Should have went the, the lick. Yeah, the there's cops. no winners or losers. In <laughs> I went like this, the, the, the main focus. Yeah. 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 You were braver than yeah, I you, was. You, you, that's for brave sure. Choice. That's right. but the lick, though. Participation Ugh. award. Let's throw it out there. Let's get someone some, some, uh, some life, some love. I'm going to go first here. Miles Dyson. She's going to blow him away. Miles Dyson is uh, portrayed by Joe Morton. I love a good Godfather-esque death scene. I love it. Uh, just the hyperventilating, the, the the twitching while his wife's holding him. You know, while he's about to get potentially shot. Uh, Joe Morton's like, Denzel was supposed to get this role? Well, Joe Morton's got it, motherfucker, and I'm taking it home. And Great. he just crushes. He takes advantage of every second he's on screen. Joe Morton. There it is. Participation award. Uh, Very Jack. good. Uh, Sarah Connor, Linda Hamilton. Okay. All right. You altered an MVP version? Mm-hmm. Well, you had mine. Yeah. So my backup is uh, Dean Norse from Breaking Bad. What are the Dean cops? Nor- he's he's yeah. in the movie? He's, he's in the movie. He's one of the guys wearing like the mask. He's the first one. Yeah. In. Wow. I saw it again today. I didn't yeah. see it the other day. When Dyson, when Dyson says, I can't hold it, he's the first one to turn yeah. around. There he is. Wow. Yeah. Love so. it. He's been a recast here once yeah. or twice before. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's great. He's great. He's great. Big Hank. Love it. Schroeder. Oh, God. Amazing 
portrayal in, in, in Breaking Bad. Love it. Mine Joe. is Brad Fidel, the music. Mm. Great. He, oh, nice. Awesome. Every nailed everything. No misstep from him. Yeah, gotta say the T one music wins for me though. That that eighty synth is just so. I know, like someone watching it today would be like, "What the fuck is going on with the score?" Like, very it'd probably 80s. be their LVP. But just if you've lived it, it's just so it's good. But, very yeah, it's perfect. It definitely the score comes up a grade with this, and it's a real yeah. movie score. Yeah. Right. You know? That yeah. theme is iconic. Oh, it's that so good. Oh, it's great. It's so good. Outside of that, the music is great for me because it's not overpowering a lot throughout the film. Right. Yeah, they give you the three needle drops early, and then they kind of get away from it. Yeah. And then you get... It's, a, you it's, just, it's present without taking away. Right. Mm-hmm. We go to Time Machine Recast. Take anyone, anytime, put them into this movie. Well, let's go. Who's up? My recast... Because I love this guy as a character actor, and I wanted to say his name uh, as the stepfather, foster father, is Stephen Tobolowski, who happens to be Ned Ryerson from Groundhog Day. And, and <laughs> if, who is he coming in us? The, the, the foster dad. Ah. <laughs> he's he's, he's uh, exiting by way of drinking milk. But oh, uh, he amazing. is a great character actor, so I'd love to see it. That's great. Phil? Phil Connors? Phil Connors? So got, the, got the Connor last name. Yo, look, Connor at that. <laughs> look at that. So I was thinking, we were, I was talking about this earlier in the week, like who would be Arnold if you had to recast Arnold? Um, but then I was thinking more about it over the last couple of days. Who would be Arnold today? And we kind of were talking about before. like Need to emphasize, he's not recasting yeah. his MVP. Arnold was Joey's MVP. Yes. So for the people getting their bingo card ready at home. Yeah. No. Um, I would say if today, if they were making, t- if this was coming out today in, in 2023, I think the only one that might be able to pull it off is Tom Hardy. Mm. But also, let's know. kind of kick that around the room right now. Let's think about it. who who else could be the Terminator in a time machine recast world? Anyone? Well, what about today? Just today. Or, yeah, today like, or even before yeah. or during the time? Because I, it's not so easy to answer during the time either because. Yeah. You know, like Sly Sloan himself said, he's like, I couldn't do that role. Yeah. Bruce Willis is like, I couldn't do that role. You know so, who might? I, I, I like the Tom Hardy. Dave Batista. He's big. He's funny. He has a lot of personality. That's not terrible. His I think head's he, too round. <laughs> Arnold's it, got that fucking yeah. cinder block. Yeah. It's no, that, you, accent, that accent, too, is just everything. money. He was born... <sighs> To be a Arnold is the role. Like that's that's it's one of those like just two perfect roles. Your boots, your clothes, your motorcycle. <laughs> um, and if you want convincing for uh, for Joey, watch Knock at the Cabin Door only, if only for Dave Bautista's oh, yeah. performance. He's great. It's the best yeah. part of the movie. I didn't watch that yet. It's oh, the best part of the movie. He's great. M Night Shyamalan. Yeah, but I can't think of I. Uh, this is blasphemy. I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Hardy sounds so Tom pathetic. <laughs> to Arnold, but that's all uh, I have right I, now. And Tom Hardy's pretty badass. So yeah. I think of him in um, The Revenant. Right, right, right. How about, uh, how about uh, Timothy Chalamet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, appropriate. Cheap shot. It's Arnold. Like this is the thing. Like I, I like this thought exercise with things, but like certain roles, you just can't. Like I. If we were talking about like who could, else could be Rocky, like I can't, like yeah, yeah, it's true, it's true, it's it's hard. Yeah, but Batista is the it. closest that I could. How about come Gregory to. Peck, mm. yeah, um, he would uh, 
If it was like if he was writing a story about a group of Terminators and he needed to go undercover, <laughs> I'm actually a Terminator. I need to yes. go undercover as a Terminator I've come to from the future. Yeah, to <laughs> exploit the um, the prejudice against Terminators. He'd fold the second they put a cigar on his chest. Okay, <laughs> so I recast someone who would be like more effective in the role of terrible foster parent who might be trying. Margot Martindale. Martingale, she's in the firm, million dollar baby, walk hard. She's a character actor. Is she a she's million dollar baby? Um, she's in a lot of things. You guys all know exactly who she is she's when you the, saw her. She's probably the mom and yeah. Yeah, she's she would be good in this, I thought. Oh, I love that lady. She was in a TV show that I'm watching. Oh, oh she's, she's in Cocaine Bear that I just yes, saw. She's <laughs> <laughs> and she's really good. She's um yeah, like in Sneaky Pete, I yep. think from at, yeah, she's in really a lot good. of things. Yeah. What is she? She's the mom, she's a stepmom. I also thought Kieran. I was th- I was trying to think of somebody who'd be good for. Uh, T- I love Robert Patrick, but T one thousand. You know who I thought Randy Orton would be horrifying. Oh God, Randy Orton written from uh, from like the Marine Seven fame. <laughs> yeah, Margot uh, Margot Martindale's the mom in Million Dollar Baby. Jesus, what a oh. uh, she's good. I like what it. A despicable role. Look at uh, Steve. Just look at this one picture, and you'll know to how fucking horrible. <laughs> Mine is 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 pretty practical based on the uh, what I've thrown out there and in the James Cameron world. I don't even think we need a time machine. It's going to be Leo as Furlong. He's Great. I think he's 20 during or 21 Damn. during uh Titanic. So this is 6 years before, so we're getting him it's 14, 15 years old. Furlong's 13. That's perfect. He's right there. He's this is probably great. already on growing pains. We have is the it? Cameron connection. Has the we great hair. Got the blue eyes. Already has the hair, right? Yeah. Got the blue, blue eyes. He yeah. right. needs that blue eyes. All that storytelling. <laughs> so, he's already yeah. do. Yeah. I think that's the one thing that takes this movie to the next level. It, unfortunately, Edward Furlong's existence beyond that wouldn't be very good. So uh, I don't like that part of it. Well, that. I mean. Um, it's not yeah, like it's very good anyway. The trailers. But, well, he, he, they did go back to the trailers. It's your fate. He went hard. Can control your fate, Edward Furlong. Damn it. Scene of the movie. Tough one. Very tough one. I said mine, Scenes so I'll, all over the place. I'll start. Uh, yeah. Sarah Connor breaking out of the psych ward is just fantastic. God, how do you argue with that? <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean uh, I, God, I just have so many imprints of watching that as a kid. I mean, jeez. Yeah. It's just... It, the lighting. I can't get it's over perfect. the lighting in that scene. It and is perfect. And when she picks up the nightstick and hopped run after beating the shit out of the liquor. The paperclip in the mouth. Yeah, and it's the, and it's the, all perfect. Really it's, learned how to pick locks. Yeah. She methoded that. I love yeah, that. It's so well done that I just, I can't get past that scene of the movie. Very hard to argue with. Steve, scene of the movie. Yeah. I'm just gonna, just because we haven't really spoke about it too much other than the five times I brought it up is the nuclear nightmare. Um, oh yeah, we. You know what? We did not give that. It's, I, it's well, just... I'll give it its due right now yeah, because perfect. I did some research on that scene because it really haunted me as a kid. And watching it again like brought back memories of me. Like literally, I had no AC in my room when I was in middle school, sweating my ass off. Uh, some of us need ACs, Kieran. Uh, this guy doesn't live in an AC. <laughs> some of us people live in a nuclear mill. Um, but I just like I looked into it a little bit more. Every time they did that scene and destroyed that. LA it was actually a miniature version of LA yeah and it took two days to rebuild it every time they wanted to do a new take of it so I I thought a lot of thought went into the scene and it was horrifying and scary and just disturbing so yeah I I, I think they said that like um, 
scientists said that it's like one of the most accurate yeah. portrayals in, in cinema Which history. Very upsetting. Of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I love the usage of miniatures. Me too. I, I, and just mm. in general. Like I agree. It's yeah. one of my favorite things in cinema. Yeah. It's like, it's so easy to do. You know, and just it get. I mean, I don't know how easy it is to do. I, I assume it's not easy yeah, at but all. No, but uh, but you know, like make just the choice to the commit CGI. to these. Fuck yeah. the CGI. It looks so good. Great. It looks so real. We talked about it in Rebecca with the um, um, do you have the name of the Mandalay? Man- the, Man- Mandalay. Mandalay in that amazing uh, William Wyler with the with the boats in his bathtub yeah. during Ben Hur. Like, uh, like One, just I I love. If you go on YouTube, there's all videos of like behind the scenes miniature work with like. Special effects. It's great. I spent a lot of time doing it. It's just fucking art. It just looks like art. It's just, it's like, as far as set pieces go in movies, that just fucking takes the cake. I mean, it's just like, it doesn't, uh, they could do her falling asleep a little better. Like, uh, you know, but like, it just, uh, it crushes for me. Yeah. yeah. I love that. That, And you know what? You're right. We did not give that scene enough. Love the way they build in the scene because we've already kind of seen in the, from the beginning and her shaking the fence and mm. seeing her holding John God. Young, even though they're supposed to be in Nicaragua, but that's okay, it's a dream. <laughs> and just dream logic, yeah, like Mr. David Lynch over here, right? It, it fucking yeah. destroys you. You can't yeah. you can't praise David Lynch for two hours and then criticize dream logic. So I pointed out that it's in a dream. It's okay. Check out one thousand and one by one. Joey, Adam, and Britt. They go through. David Lynch's entire filmography, rank him. Ranked him, and we did yeah. a full rank. All three of us rank him. It's all a the great ten. listen. Whether you like David Lynch or don't, I don't particularly like him very much. Like a couple of films, you guys did a great job breaking it down. It's great stuff. I think we were fair. So Jay. many, so many good scenes. I'm gonna go with the T1000 running for the first time, just because um, it, yeah. it sticks out in my Incredible. mind so well. It helped. It helped me make uh, you know countless baseball teams uh, with that running style. <laughs> running like the T1000 uh, <laughs> in your mind. Um, and how do I not you know? mention you know to me the t1000 is like the difference between this and the first one is just it, when you know when you were a kid he was just so cool and when he was yeah. running you're like oh my god what is this guy's so cool so that's the scene mm-hmm. when he's chasing the bike for the first time yeah, and improved great. your 60 time so. it did it did <laughs> uh i i mean i we i talked about one set piece i gotta go to the next set piece fucking opening bar scene i just can't i can't it just it just gets me in the fucking mood to watch this movie, dude. It's just, it, it, when you talk about a rewatchability of a film, you do kind of need that one scene in the beginning that's just like, oh, I'm in. Yeah. And that's, it, it's it with this. It's just, you'd never get tired of seeing it. We could get done recording. I'd throw it on right now and watch every second of it. It is just, it's just fucking perfect. I've seen it spoofed and parodied and done all that stuff, but I, I just, it's so good. From the from the Yoakum into the Thoroughgood, I just great. It, it just mm. it just has me. It just brings in my my inner roadhouse. Gold. It gets that's me awesome. going. Yeah, so awesome. That's, that's my scene. Did anyone get their quotes out here? Steve, you got mine. I had mine. I Jody, mine. I didn't do mine. You know, Arnold says, "Come with me if you want to live." It's a callback uh, the, to the, the first movie. Yes. Yeah. yeah, they do a couple of those. Yeah, that's my favorite one. Mm. That's great. No problemo. <laughs> <laughs> Dick one. Dick one. Like any one of those lines that he's teaching him to say, chill out. You know, I, lo- I love that. Uh, I got it. Um, can I just say, this is cheating though, but the fir- in the first Terminator, my favorite line is after sh- she spills all these drinks on the on the guy and the other waitress comes over to her and she says, hey, look at it this way. In a hundred years, who's going to care? You know what just happened? Yeah, I just think oh, that's so that's brilliant. Good. It's that a brilliant good. line, but brilliant. Yeah. I got to throw it there too. A little, little, uh, little nugget. We just did our our parasite episode, and we talked about Bon Joon Ho's brilliance in tweaking subtitles to make the to tell the story because he's really he's 
making a Korean movie, but he knows he's trying to appeal for an American audience. One little subtitle touch in this is, is for the Spanish-speaking audiences, he changed Hasta la Vista, baby. Did you see what he, he did? changed? No. Yes, yes. So if you're watching the movie with Spanish subtitles, he doesn't say Hasta la Vista, baby. He says Sayonara, baby. Because Hasta la Vista, baby, wouldn't make sense in right. Spanish because he's just saying goodbye, baby. Or, right. Or like, see you later, baby. Like, there's That's no, awesome. I love that. Sayonara, baby. In, That's in cool. Spanish, yeah, awesome. I love that. I had an idea that maybe this could be a recommendation. In the first Terminator, I thought it would be cool. I like the idea of all the Sarah Connors in the phone book and then this killer going off and killing all these the Sarah Connors killer. one by How one. Did no one. I think that's do so a movie, cool. The phone right. Book. Yeah. It's awesome. And then she realizes she's next sort of thing and it's yeah. she's third on the list and I'm like, brilliant. This that's is all. a horror film. <laughs> Let's go yeah. with this. Yeah. They didn't use the serial killer term in that. They used no. a I don't remember exactly what they used, but they said the like phone he's book a, a killer, a, no? Yeah, but they said like they called him like a like a a method killer or yeah. something like that. Like, and it's it's not spree. I forgot exactly what yeah, word they yeah. used, but yeah. yeah, that was that is interesting. Okay, so a cutting room floor. We're gonna make this movie shorter. Now, this movie technically could be a shade shorter. Now, the director's cut is. Did anybody watch the director's cut? The two two thirty version? No. No, I wonder what is added to it. Maybe just extended action. There, there was a scene. Um, it, it's they add to the Mexico stuff. I know. Oh, great. I'm going to kick it off to you, Steve, and saying if you could cut a scene, you'd probably be a lot of the Mexico stuff, right? It's like yeah. four or five like different scenes that they just yeah. kind of explain more stuff. Like there's a scene where he explains to Sarah how he could be rebooted, which leads to the final scene. The like alternate the energy like thing. Yeah. 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 So if you could cut something from this movie, Steve, are you going straight, straight Mexico? I guess so. And I would add a little more mall scene maybe at the Galleria. California. Mm. I don't know. More Budnick and him hanging out at the uh, arcade. You like I the love length? It. What's that? You like you like the length of the movie? Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't mad at it. Yeah. 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 Budnick and the lizard in the first one kind of have the same trajectory. You know, like we think they're, they're such affectionate characters in the beginning. Do we have the lizard's name, the iguana's name in the in the um I forget. She just abandons that damn iguana real quick. <laughs> Pugsley. Pugsley the Iguana. Just, what a terrible just, name. She loved, she's like the only person who loves this. Right. That is very odd. This, this is where you knew James Cameron had some weird affection issues, is that you have Linda yeah. Hamilton like hugging this Iguana. I'm not a lizard guy. I got to be honest. I'm not a lizard guy. Um, I, I do I do love love for pets, though. So sure. She loves her Iguana. She loves her snake. She loves her tarantula, Home Alone. A, a, Good for you. I love love for animals. So it's not for me. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have a pet lizard myself, but, you know more of a cats and dogs type of guy but jay if you could cut a scene from this movie what would yeah, it be make this movie a little shorter a little tighter yeah no not to beat a dead horse it would be a little bit of the um what are we we're calling it the mexico scene yeah maybe that maybe them fixing the car right maybe her voiceover about it i do think the voiceover with them high-fiving i don't like the high-fiving stuff it's so dated that's it's mine so, Ooh, too slow like He's like, I'm going to terminate you. <laughs> like you should just like lift the kid up by the neck at that point. Uh, that's a little rough. Yeah. Uh, to me, I, I would totally, I'm with you. I tighten that. I tighten that scene. Maybe lose that character yeah. in general. It, the, the scene needs to be there, but it doesn't need to, we don't need to be there as long as Maybe we it are. could be abandoned. No one's there. And like, the yeah, they just have some ground. stuff stashed because yeah. we do need them to get the right. weapon tree. There was that little moment with Arnold and the baby, which is like an interesting. Yeah, it's, this need that. 
I kind of like that it wasn't explained. It just, they just get them looking at each other. Like, he's starting to understand humanity. I got to be honest, though. Like, as far as, like, robots learning to be, to feel and become humans, that's not one of my favorite movie themes. Like, um, I'm out on that. I'm out on the AI, the Haley Joel Osment AI stuff. Like, Same. I don't want robots learning to feel. That's not... No, that's because that's, that's why we're all fucked in yeah. three so years. So maybe anyway, let's so. get rid of the baby. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't care about that. Yeah. Again, I understand you need to slow shit down for a little bit, but let's... Yeah. Joey, did you have something you were going to cut? Shorten the Mexico scene. Yeah, we're up. all on the same yeah, page. That's, yeah, that's... I, I, Steve, cut. you said that while we were watching yeah. it. You're like, this is... Let's, yeah, let's we, get I, You brought me down, but well, I'm down Well, that was the first time in the movie, and I tend... If a movie loses me, I tend to doze off. It's exactly an hour in. And then, like, right when that's happening, I felt myself getting a little heavy. Yeah, Let's get the fuck out of here. I need to get back to, to anything else. Here we go. Oscar reexamination. This is uh, we don't always do this with these honorary episodes, but we we can can do it here. And I do want to talk about the best picture Oscar. Um, so it won for sound. It won for sound effects editing. It won for visual effects. It won for makeup. We're just going to bridge the sounds together. So basically, won for sound, visual effects, makeup. It was nominated for cinematography and editing. Okay. So what I'm going to ask you guys right now in a world where with these five Oscars, sound, visual effects, makeup, cinematography, and film editing. We can only give it to one of those five. What are you giving it to? Again, it's sound, visual effects, makeup, cinematography, film editing. You can only give it one of those five. What are you giving it to? Joe. Visual effects. Hard to argue. Uh, Jay? Visual effects. Same with visual effects. Uh, Steve? To be different toss-up between sound and makeup, I guess sound. Man, it's really, really hard to not give it to makeup. I mean, the makeup yep. here is fucking And the sound, amazing. though, if you do research... But res- I, I, I think I'm going to tie it up with Steve and go sound. If you do research on that. the sound, yeah. like some like some of the gun, no, like his shotgun, it's it, was, great. it was like cannons. Dude, it, it's, cannons and it's stuff. fucking yeah. next level. Uh, yeah. I, I'm going to tie it up and join Steve with sound. Now... We're going to go the same. Those five, it gets, it wins all four. So it wins an Oscar for all four of these. Sound, visual effects, makeup, cinematography, film editing. Which of those five do you want it to not win? You're only allowed to give up. So it wins the four. You can give up one. You can punt one. Which one are you going to punt? Film editing, cinematography, makeup, visual effects, and sound. It wins for all but one. Which one are you punting? Jay? Cinematography. I don't. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not conceding to that. I wanted to fucking win cinematography. I almost picked cinematography for the win, just because I think the film work and this is so good. Her escaping it with the shaky cam, like this movie's shot fucking. Brilliant. Like you said, that lighting is br- is oh, brilliant. Oh my god, it's it's great. And Cameron is just like all you know. He's getting in there himself and getting involved too. So I'm not giving that one up yet. Uh, Joe, this is really hard. It is hard. And the only one I could come up with is cinematography. Wow, you're the same. Yeah. But I don't like it. I agree. I don't. But it, uh, like, I can't not. If if we're saying all but one, I think that's the only one where I could have it. That's the least impactful to me. I think it's done fantastically, but compared to everything else, mm, that hurts, Joe. That hurts me. It hurts me, Joe. <laughs> yeah, I get it. <laughs> um, mine's film editing. I, I that's mine too. Uh, yeah, it, to me, the nomination is the win. By being in film editing, you're being considered with the best picture winners. It For doesn't sure. need to win. It's a cool nomination, but it absolutely deserves makeup. It absolutely deserves visual effects, as both of you guys said. 
You need to see yourself with sound. I love the fucking camera work in this film. Just, I'm, I think if I'm going to give up one, it's film editing. You know, I, don't, I don't think it needed to be rewarded. Now, another award show I want to talk about. Jay, this is almost just for you because this is right in the 90s oh wheelhouse. This is the last thing we do before we say goodbye here. It was quite the bell of the ball. It wasn't quite Silence of the Lambs at the Oscars, but it was the bell of the ball at the MTV Movie Awards this year. It swept big time, baby. Talk it about won movie. Go, talk about what? Talk Go. about one of the greatest award shows ever when it, came, <laughs> when it first came out, man. It was it was better than the Oscars in the 90s. That's Why is for it sure. not a thing anymore? Though? I because don't know what I happened guess movies to just it. aren't good enough yeah. for the MTV movie. Yeah. Yeah. Now they MTV. do like movies, TV, and music all in one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, what did it win? It wins best movie, mm. best male performance. It's Arnold. Best female performance, wow. Linda Hamilton. Best breakthrough performance, Eddie. Eddie. Eddie for we'll Eddie F. And uh, best action sequence, which is the uh, the um, chasing the motorbike and, and the thing. It loses best villain. I'll get back to the second. Well, but, but the other win that it got. Now this is a. I'm gonna the hot yeah. take here. It wins most desirable female. Linda Hamilton, <laughs> the stepmom. Artie Artie B. <laughs> Art the seven. <laughs> RDB is at home right now because RDB has this. He is an anti Linda Hamilton person. Who are the other nominees? Okay, Christina Applegate, Kim Basinger, <laughs> Julia Roberts, and the winner, in my opinion, from Wayne's World too, Tia Carrera. Listen, I'm not gonna talk about who. Whatever, Linda Hamilton is fifth. Is fifth probably right? Yeah, and I'm I, not the biggest Kim Basinger. Neither, but if, if we're just going straight up. But now, most desirable, though, that's pretty, but that's pretty wild. She is a badass, so there is an enticingness to her, right? She's a badass. She's very capable. She really takes control. Like, there's a sexiness to it, like, beyond just, like, attractiveness. But, like, I yeah. think, like, fucking Christina Applegate. Like, I mean, Christina Applegate, and I think that's, no, don't tell mom the baby's dead. dead. Yeah. Right? Yeah. She's, and um, that's Tia for, Carrera, we're, we're Wayne's World, too. And but, Tia Carrera's. Yeah, out of this world. I think I go Christina. I mean, I, Christina. I could probably recite "Don't Tell Mom the Baby Says That," and it's because of Christina Applegate. Now I'm going to give you guys the nominees of the most desirable men. Mm. All right. Okay. No T two people as much as as you thought that Robert Patrick would. Uh, yeah. Right there, but... It's the ears. Okay. Jean Claude Van Damme. I told you we'd come back here. Kevin Costner in, in Robin Hood. Both leads in Point Break, and. Christian Slater in a movie I've never heard of. What's the movie? I don't know. I've never heard of it, so I didn't write it down. I mean, it's Bo. It's Bodie. Bo- uh, oh, Pat- Patrick Swayze. Pa- Swayze. Patrick Swayze. Both. Yeah. Wow, a clean sweep. Yeah, it's, it's Swayze, then Keanu, um, I, then Slater. I also would agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The winner, same movie. S- Keanu. Keanu. I think Keanu wow. took it home. Took home the uh, the, the 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 bowl of popcorn. I think was that like the <laughs> uh, golden, yeah, golden, yeah, yeah. golden popcorn. The golden right. popcorn. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Now Swayze um, no. Swayze in Roadhouse is the most desirable person of all time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm he's such him. a great. One last thing on this before we move on, say goodbye. Robert Patrick loses best villain. Hey, well, is it to, what we were saying? Yeah, it's Hopkins. To right, it's got to um, be. No, there might have been a year thing with that because remember, uh, Sounds of Lambs came out early, and you know, oh, yeah, so, so that, broken I think. Up? Um, it's just a summer award, so it's, it's oh, not, okay, he's okay. not nominated. Rebecca De Mornay 
Mm. Wins best cradle will the rock. Hand that rocks the <laughs> yeah, cradle. Right, right. The hand that rocks the cradle. Is anybody Steve? I feel like you have some like early I haven't seen traumatic. That. Oh, Jay does. I've seen though. it, of Jay. course. I've seen. Oh, it. I very much it's remember watching that. It's, yeah. a, it's great. Is it, is it a warranted award for villain? Um, yeah, I don't mind it. She scared the shit out of me as a kid. Isn't yeah. it just wild though? Like T two sweeps, it, it, like to the point of it, like Linda Hamilton winning over Christina Applegate right. sweeps. And then the, the villain from The Hand That Rocks the Cradle is like... That movie's fucked up. Jeez. Back the, in the 90s, they were so into like the single white female, the obsessive um, right. person involved in family yeah, affairs. There's so and, many yeah, of these like, examples. There's a lot of boiling yeah. yeah. Okay, guys, listen. Fucking awesome. T2. Steve, you Steve, picked a winner, job. man. You Action winner. Steve. I mean... I loved it. I loved talking about it. I loved rewatching it. I want to watch it again after talking about it. Um, <laughs> That's when you know it's a goodie. Yeah, yeah. it's so friggin' awesome. This was one today where I'm just like, God, at the end of the day, I get to talk about T2. And there's no, like, there's no stress. There's no, it's just, yep. it's just a blast. Uh, and like Steve said, I'd watch this movie right, right away now. and get it. Get it Such a rewatchable film. Yeah. And, and me, me, I am uh, notoriously known for note taking, and this was one of the films where I was like, maybe I don't need to take notes for this because yeah, he's just, just it seen it so many times, and yeah. you could just, if someone brings up something, you're just taken right Remember, back to yeah. it, and you could talk about it. Exactly. But I, needless to say, I took notes. Yeah. <laughs> so movie's so good that it made Jay vote against his own movie. Unbelievable. In, in Unbelievable. Uh, and I'll. And I and I'll never forgive you for it. Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, final hey, but, thoughts. But oh yeah, just, yeah. Sorry, yeah. with Die Hard though. After watching this again, I watched Die Hard more recently mm. than T Two. T Two is a better action film than, than I Die agree. Hard. It is. Yeah, yeah I and agree with you. I love Bruce Willis and I love um, Snape. Or I can't think of his name. Hans Gruber. Uh, Hans Gruber. Alan. Like I love so much of Die Hard. But then when I rewatched this the other day, I was like, "This is better. This, this is a winner. This is better." But mm. sorry, Joey. No, this was awesome. This action tournament was fucking amazing, and I'm so happy the turnout. I'm so happy, Steve. You won. I'm T two. I'm happy to be here and talk about this. Mm. This is a blast. It is. It is cool though, because like since we've been doing these different tournaments, like there have been a lot of people. Jay, I think you were one of them. It's like, what are we doing the action tournament? What are we doing the action yeah. tournament? Like it was yeah. like, and I put it off and put it off, and we did it at the right time, the perfect, perfect time. We got the best turnout we've ever had. Thank you, everyone, for voting. It, it really is. It, it makes us all feel fucking great. Oh, yeah. We want your feedback. You've got you've given us your feedback throughout the whole tournament, which is, is so cool. But let us know what you think about T2. If you think another movie should have won or if you just want to just go off on this movie, we love that, too. But, guys, this was a blast. I could talk about... I could. You know what? Maybe we just one day just... Have a Terminator episode and I have agree. you guys backing it just and do that. He's like, you know, I, I don't know. That'd be a great episode. Just drop the hammer and just do a Terminator episode. We'll see. We make the rules. We'll let it age a little bit. That's right. That's right. It's, we, we do make the rules. So I guess I have to say for all of our Spanish speaking audience, sayonara, baby. And for everyone else, hasta la vista, baby. Next week, it's going to be Armageddon. We're getting another wild crew. Steve will be back with his Steve. other with his Another other weeknight journey. Undisputed champion. Action, Steve. <laughs> we'll see you then. And I promise you, you won't want to miss a thing. There we go.
Arnold. I, I was I was between Arnold and Linda Hamilton. Steve. Oh, sorry. Cat just stabbed me. Oh, <laughs> fuck that hurt. Which one was it? Wow. Bagini. I don't know what First. happened there. Oh. She does not agree with you about Arnold. She likes the Linda Hamilton fan. Linda also. Hamilton fan. I'm like really thrown off here. <laughs>